Morning, Thursday morning in London town. It's nice to have you around. I've got into this regime. Got into this regime, I'm afraid, at the moment. So, yesterday I thought, no, I'm definitely not going to drink wine at home anymore. I've decided, actually, that sort of wine's nice occasionally, but I thought, no, I'll give it a rest. So yesterday I was speaking to a friend of mine about this, this Manuka honey, which we seem to have got a bit addicted to. And, um, and I was saying, you know, I'd quite like to, to have something before I go to bed. I don't have a glass of wine. I don't anything like that. She said, well, have a hot toddy. And I said, do you know, I haven't had a hot toddy for years. She said, I know. She said, just get, you know, a spoonful of brandy. She said, some people do it with whiskey. She said, but do it with brandy. Brandy's quite nice. And you put that in, into a mug with a spoonful of Manuka honey, and put some hot water on the top, stir it all up. It was delicious. It was a real good bedtime drink. And so I got up this morning, as opposed to having a cup of tea, had some water, and I had half a spoonful of Manuka honey and some hot water, and I came in. In fact, actually, I begin to think I'm perhaps doing a little bit too much Manuka honey. And then I had one, and I'm just about to have another cup of hot water, and I've got my lemon here. Oh, blimey, it's leaking already. And, uh, and I've got my Manuka honey, and I'm, and I'm just about all ready for it again. And, uh, and is it sounding better? Sounding better. Still a bit swollen. I'm not saying it's, uh, it's not, even though people were telling me yesterday about the medicinal qualities and the, the natural antibacterial qualities of Manuka honey. I mean, I wasn't sure if, if all honey was like that, and somebody said, no, it's not, I'm afraid. It's not. Um, anyway, lot to get through on the programme this morning. Being Thursday... We did Zach Brandt for yesterday, who's appearing just around the corner at the Duke of York's Theatre. In fact, strange enough, we finished doing the interview, and I said, are you going to go home now and have a rest? He said, no, he said, I've got a matinee to do. He had less than an hour to leave here. Sorry? Zach Braff, yeah. What do I keep calling him? I keep calling him Banff. I've got this thing in my mind. I don't know why. It's, it's an age thing. I picked it up off Christo. I was fine till I started working with Christo all those years ago, and I've suddenly realised that sometimes he actually rambles about things, and I seem to have inherited this. I seem to have picked it up, you know, listening to him talking about sort of he's he's actually going to get a dog. And and most people are quite right. He he would be useless with a dog. He would be absolutely he, a poodle, something like that, a Pomeranian, something, you know, but not not anything particularly butch. I don't think you want to see a butch dog. But I had to disagree. You know, the bloke who's, who's developed that thing to feed the dog. And I thought that's a lovely thing. He actually get when does the, where does this thing go for a walk? Where does it go to the toilet? You know, it sits there, and every so often, from abroad, and now, of course, not about, you know how, how big this uh, dog is now? This, uh, this uh, dog is now absolutely enormous. Absolutely enormous. And, uh, and it, because everybody's feeding it. Everybody's feeding it. And it's absolutely fantastic. So, of course, because he's stupidly put his, uh, his, uh, his, his address on there so the dog can get fed... <laughs> People are trying it out and then seeing if it actually works. Of course, it does work. It does work. That's what people people do in feeding. But I just kept thinking, so he goes abroad and he feeds the dog one of these sort of docky, d- doggy chocks and things like that. Um, and I thought, but nobody takes this thing for a walk. Nobody takes it out. How does it go to the toilet? Perhaps it's got neighbours, in which case, why can't they feed it? It looked like a horrible contraption to put in the kitchen. But he's thinking of patenting it and, um, and putting it out. It's all very funny, actually. There's, um... <laughs> I was reading There's some, some lovely stories in the paper today. There's not many lovely stories in the paper today. Uh, mainly, I'm afraid, it's, it's doom, gloom and despondency. And it's and uh, the story of this poor, this poor lad. Uh, not in this country. This is uh, a lad in... I think it must be in China. He's in uh, Guangxi, which is in southern China. His family keep him locked up in a cage. 
because they can't afford health care. He's 23. He's been locked up in this cage since he was two. And uh, this is this is quite normal, I'm afraid, because his family can't afford to stay at home. He can't speak or walk. He doesn't have room to stretch out. But his parents insist they do it for his own safety. Uh, so now, I mean, there's nothing... I don't think there's anything the matter with him. I think that he's be- now become institutionalised or caged-sized over the years. Um, and it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous that they've, they've allowed photographers to go in there and yet there is no health care for him in, uh, in this place in Guangxi. But it highlights, I think, the, the problems that many disabled people have. You know, we, we in this country, you know, don't have the, uh, the best the best respite care for, for disabled people. In fact, half the time, nobody's got the faintest idea what, what, what to do with disabled people. So we shove them in homes, we look after them, we do the best we can. Think of this poor young man here who's spending the rest of his life in a cage in the family sitting room. They, they, they let him out every so often. But uh, th- this, I think, also echoes the plight of somebody else, who is Tang Zhua, whose mother kept him locked in a ruined barn for 23 years. I mean, you, you often wonder, where are the neighbours... Where are the neighbours? Oh, Rihanna's gone on a diet after somebody branded her too fat. Too fat. Rihanna, too fat. I downloaded... I've lost the blooming thing now. I downloaded a really good song the other day. One of my hip songs. You know, you sometimes hear something on the, on the radio. Or if I'm walking through this building, I hear a song and immediately I get my... If I can find the phone quick enough, I get it out and I shazam. So I can find out what, what the song is. And I was listening to this song. And I think I heard it. Wait a minute. I think I heard it in here the other day. And, uh, and I remember thinking, gee, that's a good song. So immediately I got home. I rushed onto iTunes, because I'm a bit of an addict for iTunes. And, um, and I downloaded it. Because the last time I did this, everybody was taking the mickey out of me, going, oh, you know, these... I think Jamie, who was producing uh, a couple of days, a few weeks back, and I was saying about all these hip songs. And all the girls in the studio were going, yep, you're right, Steve, that's a hip song. Jamie's going, I've never heard of it. And so we had all of this, this kind of malarkey going on. But then I downloaded this, this song the other day. And um, it's, it's, it's called International Love. Have you heard it? Oh, it's, it's really good, actually. It's, well, it's, it's by uh, ADBB. Doesn't help, does it? How do, it? It goes like this. Doesn't really help, actually, I suppose, does it at all? It, do you know, it's a really, really good song. And the more I hear it... You know, sometimes you listen to a song on the radio. If, I, if I'm walking through this building or if I'm out somewhere, I'll catch the glimpse of a song. And I think, oh, it might be a song on an advert. And I go, what the dickens is that? And by the time you found the phone or you're on the phone to somebody going, I've just heard this song, but I can't remember what it is. Ah, that's it. I've always asked you, dear listener, because you tend to know the answers to these things. I was watching a programme on the television the other day and it was about, it was documenting the life of um, Kenny Everett. And, and I, was ex- I was telling somebody the other day who works in the building, who'd worked with Kenny Everett years and years ago, and he said, was it a new documentary? And I said, I can't remember. I said, I just remember, I turned on the television and there was this documentary about Kenny, and it had Simon Booker on there and had lots of other people. And so if anybody else saw it, it's the kind of thing Ray will see, or Paul, or somebody like that. Oh, I'm, I'm a, I don't know if it was a new documentary, or if they were just rehashing something because it was the anniversary of, of his death. I've got no idea. I just know that it was a documentary all about him and how he was sort of maniacal. Very good at jingles. Richard Park was telling me yesterday that if there's one thing that, that Kenny Everett did really well, it was jingles. He made the, you know, he sung all the jingles, and, uh, and it, was, it was really good stuff. But if I'm blowed if I can remember whether or not... This uh, this documentary was a new one, or an old one. So if you saw it, 
Do let me know. Uh, Marcus Collins has admitted he kept his hellish upbringing to himself during his, his run on The X Factor because he didn't think people would take it seriously. I knew if I said I grew up in a council flat, just me and my mum, we had nothing. My mum had cancer. I thought I was going to be orphaned and out and out, so like that. So he, he said I didn't bother saying it. But I've said before, that's, but of course he's saying it now. It's almost a case of, you know, people are fascinated by other people's lives and they're always interested. And if you've just had a normal life, in inverted commas, nobody's going to be much interested in you. But if you've got a bit of history, then, uh, then that's good. Oh, I see Sarah Harding's out on the town again. Didn't take too long, did it? She went out to watch James Corden in One Man, Two Governors in the West End. One of the only shows I've seen recently where people queue outside to get tickets. It's a, it's a rare commodity in this day and age, let me tell you, with ticket prices the, uh, the way that they are. But Sarah Harding's out and about. So just don't go near the booze, Sarah. Please don't go near the booze. We've had all that malarkey before. We want to try and keep it on an even keel. And uh, I was waiting for somebody to ask her and say, well, listen, are girls allowed getting back together? And uh, I'm, I'm sincerely hoping not. Because, to be honest, I mean, I liked girls aloud. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I just don't think... So I'm just making a drink. I'm just assuming. It's like doing a potion. It is hilarious, isn't it? And, um, and I'm not sure that the time is right. The trouble is there's too many of these groups doing get-togethers. They're all going, you know, we've had steps. I as far as I remember, I'd have to ch I should have checked with Christo earlier on because I think he's a big steps fan, as to whether or not it's sold out and will they be actually singing live or will they be doing their, their Memorex stuff? And the answer is I've got no idea. I don't even know if they finish the tour. Because they've all tried it. I think what, what these groups do, they all sit... It's like the Rolling Stones. Every so often, they start going, I think we'll go out on tour again. So off they go out on tour again. They get loads of coverage in the newspapers. And then you go and you book tickets to one of their concerts. And you suddenly realise that you're miles away from the stage. And you went, I remember going to see Tina Turner ages ago at Wembley. When we had Wembley and when it was sort of a proper looking place. And we were quite close to the stage. But because it was such a long way away, even though we were at the side and it was very close, we ended up watching the screens. Like you do. In other words, might as well have stayed in and watched a DVD. For all the good it did. I mean, I could see it was Tina Turner. You'd never know whether she was singing live or whether it was Mark. You wouldn't know. You're so far away. Even people at the front were so far away. It's, I find it terribly disappointing that, uh, that you can't see all these things. Never mind. I'm sure that uh, people will love it. We've got loads of uh, other things to talk about. I bumped into Jason Donovan the other day. We were doing Bear Grill. Oh, Bear Grills we did as well this week. <coughs> forgot, forgot to mention that. And, uh, but I bumped into Jason Donovan because he's doing the uh, Heart Breakfast show at the moment. And he said in one of the, uh, the papers today that he was offered the Eurovision Song Contest. And, uh, and somebody said, wait a minute, we thought Engelbert Humperdinck was offered. And it turns out the BBC have come back very quickly. Uh, well, we, we talked to a lot of people. You know, hadn't quite decided. Jason said there was too much, too much of a commitment for that. And also, to be honest with you, he doesn't need to do it. You don't really... I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if, you, if, if doing Eurovision is something you need to do or you want to do. Either way, all we want to do is win, don't we? Quarter past four. LBC 97.3. Uh, I was only thinking the other day, as I was looking through the papers, and I was thinking to myself, we haven't seen Katie Price for a while. I thought it was almost a godsend. I was hoping that she'd, uh, she'd disappeared abroad. Sadly not. She's in the papers again today, and she's had a, a suspender tattooed on her thigh so she can always feel sexy. Feeling sexy and looking sexy, two completely different things, I'm afraid. And uh, here she is. She's showing off this new thing at the launch of a, of a swimwear. She says, I love it. I'm obsessed with stockings and suspenders. Really? Never seen her wearing any of that kind of stuff. I mean, cheap, trashy items she does wear. 
That is true. But I didn't know she was obsessed with stockings and suspenders. She said, now even when I've taken it all off, I've still got something quite sexy going on. Lovely. So class. So class. Katie Price is 190. So she's in the paper today. Kylie Minogue. Uh, all, you know, her tour ticket sold out within minutes, which is actually good news. So well done, Kylie. She's ended up having to apologise to all her fans, saying, I'm ever so sorry that you couldn't all get tickets, but uh, they went a bit quickly. So you bet your bottom dollar they're going to be adding a few more dates in there. It's very tiring. They did exactly the same, if you remember, with Michael Jackson. They said, right, Michael Jackson is going to be going on tour. Tickets go... And so every time a tour date sold out, they kept adding on tour dates. They kept adding things on. And, um, and you think to yourself, wow, this is, this is absolutely... But in the end, they just exhaust themselves. They just absolutely exhaust themselves. Um, another one here. Oh, this is this poor boy of three, Leo Barnett. He's often told by passers-by he's got a lovely tan. But in fact, he has this uh, hyperbeta carotinemia. I've never even heard of it before. And of course, it's because you eat carrots. If you eat raw carrots, they've got... Garotene in. There used to be tablets, and they were called... What were they called now? I can't remember. They were tanning tablets. And you took them, and the idea was it changed your skin colour. But it changed from the inside out. And unfortunately, the side effect... The side effect of taking these... Uh, Carotin tablets to make your skin look a bit orangey, but it didn't. It went, it went, went to, it, you did look a bit carrot coloured. Was at the end of your fingers went bright orange. It looked as though you'd been smoking really heavily. So I think after a while, people stopped using them. People are still in, obsessed with fake tans, but to be honest with you, it, it really looks cheap and tacky. You can see somebody walking down the street, you know what is cheap and tacky. If they're in Essex around Brentwood, they're going to be cheap and tacky. If anywhere else they're wearing it, you know, you, you go to the south of France, strangely enough. South of France are a lot of people who use fake tans. Because unless you've, you know, you don't want to go in the sun nowadays. It's actually, uh, it's actually, you know, quite, quite dangerous to go in the sun. So people, we went, rented a flat years ago in the south of France in Cannes. I went to the bathroom cupboard, opened it, and there's about 30 bottles of fake tan in there. Lots of people use, use fake tan because they don't want to go out later. Don't want to go out later. Uh, a bit like a criminal waste of food. But death row prisoners opt for comfort food. They did it in this country as well. I remember reading a book about um, about our last public executioner, and they would go in there, and they would, the night before, say, listen, what, what would you like for breakfast? It's going to be your last one. You can have whatever you want. And they do the same in America. They say to people, you know, what, what would you like? You know, and we will, we will supply it for you. So if you want a rare hamburger or chip, I mean, it doesn't make any difference at all, is it? It's going to be your last meal. You're not probably going to get a chance to digest it properly. And so, what do you think pe- people go for? Mainly, they don't go for um, for desserts. I suppose because they go, can, can you just eat a bit quicker? You know, a few, few people wait come on, a, little bit, a little bit quicker. What do you mean a glass? Not now, no. Have it later. Have it later. And so, most people go for fried chicken and steaks. Um, strangely enough, uh, one convicted killer, Richard uh, Fager, wanted a single olive. I think that's so he goes down in history and they go, and so what was his last meal? It was a single olive. Ted, Ted Bundy uh, in Florida uh, declined a special meal, so he was given steak, medium rare, eggs, over easy, hash browns, toast with butter and jelly. Now, what they call jelly, I think we call jam, and he had milk and juice. And that was his, his last meal before he sat and fried on the electric chair. So, it's interesting, isn't it, that what, what people want nowadays. Fried chicken being... I mean, to be honest with you, you'd want to get it over and done with. I think what they used to give people when we hanged them in this country years ago, 
according to Albert Pierpoint, was, uh, was a brandy. You'd be given a glass of brandy, and he, he reckoned he, he could get people down in a matter of seconds. Once they'd, uh, they, they tested all the equipment the night before, a couple of seconds you could actually get somebody down on it. It was, it was, it was an art form. There was a great film made by Timothy Spall. I think it was Timothy Spall, who played Albert Pierpoint, who inherited the job from his father. He had to apply for it, and he was going to be an assistant hangman, and then he actually got the job of, uh, of main hangman. And, uh, and he, he looked on it as it was just a job. He ran a pub, which I think was called The Condemned Man. Of course, people came from far and wide to, uh, to meet the man who hanged loads. He went over to, uh, to France and was executed. At one point, he executed 13 people in quick succession. They were war criminals. But uh, over here, I think he was the last man. He did Ruth Ellis. He did lots of... Because people always say, what did they say? What was the last words that they said? He said, mostly people said nothing. They didn't say anything. He said, apart from what one bloke who went, cheerio then. As he stood, <laughs> I don't know what you'd think of, would you? Because it happened so fast. Happened so fast. But he, he, he could actually get them on there, put the hood over their head. Their hands were already tied behind their back. Get the, uh, the restraints on for their legs. And they could be down, I think, in something like 3.9 seconds. Because you don't want to prolong, you know, it for anybody, and especially as all the people have to stand around watching this kind of thing. It's not exactly uh, the best. The Kenny documentary. Ha-ha! Paul in Manchester. I knew he'd know the answer. I knew. He said, I too sat down to watch it, looking forward to it, but sadly, I'd seen 90% of it before. It's what they call a revised repeat. Most of it, about 15 years old, like the original programme, but with a few what happened next to the contributors' segments tagged on. Oh, that was a shame, in fact. That was a shame. Because I, because I was telling somebody here who worked with, with Kenny, and, um, and it, was, it, was, it was good stuff. He said, Donovan, Jason Donovan, was, according to reports this morning, offered the Eurovision gig as well. Another three down the line, uh, Noreen, Diner and Jackie. It might have been you flying the flag. In fact, the name Steve Allen and the flowering bushes has a good ring to it. The legendary fl- flowering bush only ever seen once. On the Steve Allen show. Morning to the Crumblers. He said, nice to hear Darren on the radio with Anthony last night. Was this talking about the new iPad? The latest one. It's, I've, I've looked at it. There's, there's, there's pictures of it in the paper today. I've, I brought my iPad in because I don't think I need another one. Normally, I would have been out and bought it. This one, they say, is, is better than HD television. So it's got smoother graphics. It's got a 3.1 million pixel retina display. Um, the weight of the Wi-Fi only model is going from 600 grams to 650. Battery life, same. Roughly the same, I think. Uh, five megapixel camera, which can capture 1080p HD videos. And Apple has now sold more than 55 million iPads. In fact, Anthony uses one on his show. Anthony Davis on his show. He's actually got it so he can... Can he operate the desk on it or something? Or operate the... See his calls or everything else? I forget how it... Yeah, I think he actually gets all his texts and emails up on it, and he can watch them there. Because I've started doing a lot of um, uh, face-to-face stuff with with people on. I find it quite fascinating, actually. I find it quite fascinating. I find it quite fascinating that poor little Gavin Henson is open to any offers to appear on reality TV. He says, I think they're fun. People love me, and best of all, they pay well. They don't love you. They really don't. (laughs) They really don't, I'm afraid. Lauren Goodger... Denied staging her row with Mark Wright's sister for publicity. I adored her, but she doesn't want to make up, she insists. They were both foul-mouthed and disgusting, I'm afraid. It's like the rest of the programme. Interesting to watch, but, you know, it, it's not real. It's, it's, it's pretend, I'm afraid. It's kind of pretend television. Uh, Bob says, uh, we need any malarkey today. We need any malarkey. Uh, do you know, there's nothing in the papers. 
I'm quite disappointed. Going, going through the papers, it's this terrible story about the, uh, the soldiers who bid farewell to their family on Valentine's Day. And uh, today, their bodies will be coming back to the country. Five members of the 3rd Battalion, the Yorkshire Regiment, died along with a sixth soldier from the 1st Battalion, Duke of Lancaster's Regiment, uh, in Helmand Province on Tuesday night. And uh, as, uh, as the families mourn, the Forces Chief says, hold your nerve. It's, I mean, it, it, it just seems wasted lives in a pointless war. That's what a lot of them are saying as the Taliban take Britain's Afghan death toll past 400. There's a, a tribute in all the, the papers day to them. It doesn't make it any better. It doesn't matter how many times you say to somebody, listen, you know, your son, your daughter, your father, your husband died, you know, protecting the country and doing things like that. There'll be those who say, well, fat lot of blooming use that is to us, I'm afraid. Fat lot of use. What are we left with? We're left with nothing. Family, you know, young soldiers out there. And in fact, strangely enough, there was an army mum. I think it was uh, Carla Cuthbertson who wrote a moving open letter to the Prime Minister saying, can we pull our British troops out of Afghanistan? 400. Now, it's pointless, isn't it? It's abs- it? It just appears to be going nowhere. And so the, uh, the crew were just wiped out in a fireball explosion. I think this is our worst loss of life in Afghanistan from enemy action. And you look at the equipment that we've got, and you look at what, what the Taliban appear to have, they appear to have very little, and yet they appear to be, they appear to be more effective. Whilst I'm trying to be as positive as I can, uh, and people say the losses are awful, we will learn from this. We will learn. Whether or not we, we pull everybody out, I've got no idea. We're still waiting. They seem to be very... It's, it's almost like politicians are playing God, sitting down there playing battleships. You know when you used to sit down and go, A3, and somebody go, no, missed. And I remember seeing a Doctor Who episode some... Oh, many, 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 many years ago. And they said, in future, all war will be played out on a computer. And so they'll say, right, here we go, and that's so-and-so, so-and-so. Right, that whole area around Leicester Square... Uh, with one square mile, all the people there, would you report to uh, uh, an incineration chamber? And all the people duly turned up in this Doctor Who episode, and they turned up to be because their area had been wiped out, and so nobody actually fired any shots. They just told you that you'd been killed, and you, you reported, and, and that was the end of it. I think the Kenny Everett documentary, says Colin, you're referring to, was produced in 2007 and called Licence to Laugh, then the BBC announced it was working on a 90-minute biopic called Number One in Heaven, which details his unhappy secondary school years. But as far as I know, no, not one has aired yet. Well, I, I definitely saw this thing the other day. And I, I think it was, as Paul said, an old documentary where they've, they've just tarted it up a little bit and added bits on so you could see what, what Kenny was, which was, a, which was a genius. I mean, an absolute genius in the radio studio. And then he got so anarchic, he was so over the top. It was, it was, people used to tune in just to find out what he was going to be like. And he had a great, great radio voice. It was, there's there's certain people who've got, the the radio just seems to love them. I don't know what it is. You cannot explain what it is about somebody's voice that sort of comes out of the radio. And when he, when he sat down and did all his, all his Captain Kremen stuff, it was just nothing short of brilliant. Um, Aggie says, if you check that honey's okay for diabetes, uh, for diabetics, well, of course it's not. It's full of sugar, isn't it? But we're not exactly sort of shoveling loads in our mouth. We're just adding it into the, uh, into the hot water. And very nice it is too, I have to be honest with you. And I don't, although at the moment, I mean, we're now on the fourth spoonful of honey. I suppose if it was only one spoonful of honey a day, it might actually be okay. But by the time you're on to the fourth one, I suppose it's, uh, it's, it's not brilliant. Uh, Steve, what happened to Tesco's pilot high sell it cheap policy? That was Dame Shirley Porter. It was. That was, oh, gosh, that was a little blimey. That was so many years ago. And that's how they managed to bring the prices down. Now, of course, all the super... There was a supermarket the other day in 
London. I think it was in London. And they want to build a new Asda. Where do they want to build it? On the site of a graveyard. And they said, it's OK, we'll, we'll, we'll just dig the bodies up and put them somewhere else. We'll put a plaque out there. I thought, if you had relatives in a cemetery, in a supermarket chain, wanted to build over the cemetery where your grandmother or grandfather is buried, you'd be up in blooming arms. And we're going to put a plaque up. Quite clearly, they're not concerned about people, living or otherwise. So they just dig up the dead, what remains of them, and put them somewhere else. We'll just put a plaque up saying, this is built on the site of, a, of an old graveyard. Of course, if, if they can't find any members of family or people still surviving, they're, uh, they're allowed to do it. We've got exactly the same in Twickenham, where there's a, a graveyard there where they just sort of dug everything up, put all the gravestones around the wall and stuck in some kids' play items. It's quite disgraceful, really, although it happened such a long time ago nobody bothers saying anything now. It's LBC 97.3. It's Thursday morning in London town. It's March the 8th, 2012, and the time now is 430 With the news head. 28 minutes to 5. Thursday morning in London town. Trust you well. Okay, good, 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 good. Actually, very interesting. I won't mention the name of this uh, particular radio presenter, but James in Grays talks about people who'd worked with, uh, with the late Kenny Everett. The particular presenter you've mentioned, I'm afraid I, we would never mention his name on this, uh, on this radio station. This was the... I, 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 I won't even hint as to who he was, but suffice it to say, this man robbed from a children's charity. That's all I'll tell you, James. And uh, the rest, as I say, and that's why I don't think he's working at the moment, because he, uh, he robbed from a children's charity, and one thing you don't steal from, it's charity. Now, here you go. Dawn has got the answer to everything. We were talking about Manuka honey. She's got a jar of it. Mine is, she says, mine is 16 plus. Now, I never knew what this was yesterday until you, dear listener, told me, because mine is active 10 plus. I have no idea what that means. All I know is that it's got nan- um, natural antibacterial qualities. So it's 10 plus, OK? And, um, and you sort of, you look at it, and then somebody said to me yesterday, they do believe that you can get um, 50 plus Manuka honey, which I'm, I'm thinking must be really super-duper stuff. I mean, it must be absolutely the bee's knees. So I'm looking at 10 plus. She's got 16 plus, this shit, so it's a bit stronger. She's been into uh, to Costco. And they have the special offer. I think it was something like £9 for two packs of, I think, 10 plus. And uh, so everybody seems to be getting into this stuff now. I'm not really into it. I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm sure it's better to drink something in hot water in the morning with a bit of lemon and a little bit of honey. Uh, mainly because of your, mainly because of your throat, but also because of the fact that I'm sure that drinking tea every day is not good for you because of all the milk and the dairy products. Lou said to me yesterday, she said, it's the dairy products that are not particularly good. But I, I do need that cup of coffee uh, in the morning. You need that sort of cup of coffee to boost you up. So I get my first one at about eight o'clock. Try not to drink it at work. It must be very drying for the throat. Quick, uh, quick update on Adam Ant. Says Dawn, went to see him at Proud Camden on Tuesday. Great gig. Uh, it was a gig to launch an exhibition that opened there on Wednesday called Dandy in the Underworld, a collection of portraits of him that span his musical career. Uh, he's doing quite well now. He's got an album in June, so she's going to buy that. And uh, and she says, uh, it's a shame that you no longer have guests on the show, as I think that Steve Hargrave might have a bit more time in the morning. She says, since the programme that he's on changed its format at the start of this year, he hasn't been live in the studio at all. He used to be, he, he's probably welcoming the fact that he doesn't have to go in live. He's done a couple of live outside broadcasts, but other than that, it's all been pre-recorded stuff. It's been shown of him since the start of this year. However, here comes the bad news. A few weeks ago, she says, I told you I'd been to a run-through of a new ITV comedy panel show 
hosted by Jonathan Ross, called Trending Topics. It wasn't recorded for TV. I said how Jonathan had asked us for our input on what we thought at the end. It's a, it's a show in progress. On Thursday night, when you see this, I'm going to be seeing a pilot of the show being made. Guess who the panel is? The panel with Jonathan Ross hosting will be Carol McGiffin. Because she doesn't turn up on anything, does she? I mean, I don't know whether or not people don't take her seriously or they just don't book her. Frankie Cocosa. Frankie Cocosa. Oh, blimey. Carol McGiffin's agent needs to get a, a, a check, I think, on this one. Amy Childs. Amy Childs. They don't come any dimmer, do they? One, one self-admitted, self-admitted cocaine user. Carol McGiffin, who was married to somebody famous. Amy Childs, who's as dim as a plank. David Walliams. Rod Gilbert. Comedian. I don't know who Rod Gilbert... I've heard the name. Josh Widdicombe. Comedian. Should be fun, she says. Should certainly be interesting. I, would, I wouldn't necessarily say fun. I mean, the idea of putting Frankie Kokosha and Amy Charles on anything at all is just an absolute... Makes a complete mockery of the word entertainment in this country. People who've got a talent for doing something, all you have to do now is behave badly, not sing a blooming note, and, uh, and all of a sudden people put you on television. The story's in the, in the paper today about um, Ollie Murs. Ollie Murs. What do you think the story is about Ollie Murs? They've actually called him, in one of the papers, a twit. Which I suppose, and, 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 and a twit because he twittered Cheryl Cole asking her for a date. I mean, how stupid you have to be. Poor old Ollie, he's that embarrassing one who can't sing. You know, it's, it's just dreadful. But uh, she, 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 she blanked him. He, he said uh, that he actually twitted after fans said he'd make the perfect couple. Ollie, love, let me just explain to you. You might have loads of people on Twitter. Don't really take any notice of them whatsoever. I mean, really, it doesn't matter how many people you've actually got. And so he then sent a thing to Cheryl Cole, I'll ask for your number, uh, then you can't blame a guy for trying. Yeah, but you're an embarrassment, Ollie. I mean, you know, nobody'd want to go out with you, Popsikins. It's, re- it's, it's really, you know, definitely not you at all. Uh, Patricia says, Albert Pierpoint's pub was called Help the Poor Struggler. Interestingly, he hanged one of his best customers. He did. Somebody used to sing in the pub. In the end of his retirement, he said he uh, came to be against capital punishment. She says, P.S. We're all living atop graves virtually everywhere. Oh, I should imagine there are plague pits all over London, where we built over. When we had the plague in London, they were burying people. In fact, they didn't have enough room. There's the huge plague pits in London where they just built over things. Then years later, they sort of dig it all up and go, good grief, look at all this, all these bodies here. Because there were so many people. They, they used to go out ringing the bell with bring out your dead. They'd walk up and down the London streets because, you know, if you'd had Auntie Annie in there after about sort of a couple of days, she was beginning to smell and you were quite grateful for the man to come round. And I'm afraid people didn't have, you know, any of those facilities. Nobody could afford to bury anybody. And there were so many that they just put them in pits with lime on the top and then covered it all over and then lime and then covered it all over. So you ended up building up a progression Although, of course, I mean, in those days, there were no people body robbing, which we've talked about on the programme before, where Burke and Hare used to go out there at the dead of night and, uh, and dig up fresh corpses and sell them to medical students, because medical students needed somebody to work on. They needed a body. And, you know, relatives weren't just about to hand them over. So most of the cemeteries in London used to have guards on them to stop, you know, if you freshly buried somebody. You didn't want them dug up again, did you? But nobody dug up anybody from the plate. You'd probably find even where we are now. If you go back far enough... There must be a plague pit around here. Although they, they did try to do them on the outskirts of London, but you'd probably find people were buried here. There was a, there was a rumour that uh, there were two houses on this site, and in the house where, where I'm sitting now, the rumour goes that this was the house of a doctor. 
I think building has changed somewhat, of course, since those early days. And people used to turn up in the dead of night and... And he would answer the door and they'd go, got a fresh one for you. And, uh, and he'd bring it in. So possibly in this studio, I'm sitting somewhere where years ago there would be a dark, a dark room, dimly lit by a small candle, with bodies sort of propped up all over the place. Because that's what people did. They bought them. Nobody said anything. You weren't going to argue with somebody staggering down the street with a body. We don't do it now, do we? You watch two for... There was a guy in Leicester Square as I came in, and he was just so drunk... He just didn't. He was. He, he just couldn't see anything, and, and he sort of lurched a bit towards me. And I thought, "Oh dear me!" There's nothing you can do about these people. They just can't handle. Where do they get served alcohol from at this time of the morning? And I realised there's a place up at Piccadilly Circus where they all turn out and go to that kebab type shop over the road where they do burger and chips for like twelve pounds fifty. Twelve. Oh dear me! Isn't it funny how food looks interesting when you when you've had a, an absolute skinful. But uh, I'm thinking about opening a shop myself, you know. It must be a licence to print money round here, because there's nowhere else. There's nowhere else. I, I could open it at about, sort of, one o'clock in the morning and run all the way through till seven. We could do breakfast and stuff like that. I reckon it'd be a winner. That would pretty certainly be a winner. So, um, unlike this uh, this panel show with Jonathan Ross, I watched him on his show the other day. He's he's using the same old, you know, because this is, like, the best film I've ever seen, and he, he really brown-noses people. But... Uh, to put Frankie Kokoza and Amy Childs on, I mean, you know, full marks for Frankie's agent and uh, Amy's getting them anything at all. But uh, I, mean, so I, I thought Amy was businesswoman. Because we love it when they say in uh, the only way they say it, businesswoman. You know, because you've got business interests. I mean, the fact she can't add up three and three probably comes up with seven. I should imagine neither here nor there. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk or... 08456060973. Interesting, Christo was, was talking earlier on about uh, being British and, uh, and about, you know, it's amazing how much racism there still is, isn't there? I mean, it, it just seems, it seems quite normal in London, which is, which is a, a bit of a diversity. And even in dogs, there was racism. Heard stories of people saying, you know, that their dog didn't like black people or Asian people or that. I mean, how on earth do dogs know? I don't think dogs know that. I'd love to know if dogs have got a conversation. I really would. But now the Kennel Club. Fear for abandoned dogs. As the Duchess effect sees sales of animals like Kate and Wills's saw 50%. Um, and people were talking about crufts and saying, you know, it really... It's, it's had its day. I really firmly believe in my heart of hearts that crufts have had its day. I've seen more cases of, of dog breeders being taken to court for animal abuse over the years than anything else. And you look at dogs and the way that they've changed and the judges. And they've got a way of doing it. I can't... It, it doesn't demonstrate very well on radio this morning. But they sort of go to... They look at them and then the judge goes forward and practically bends down on one knee and points at the dog as if to say, you're the winner. And then the next thing is it's doing a winner lot advert or something because I think that's part of the contract, you know. And we used to see them all the time. We don't see them so often now, do we? In You know, because I think the winners then went, no, well, they don't eat winner lot, I'm afraid. They eat uh, ground steak or they do this kind of thing. They go, well, if you had part of the contract, you know, advertise dog food. And I never believed it anyway. So, uh, you know, I think people should have dogs. But when you look at the state of some of these poor dogs now that are so bred and uh, and the puppy farming... And animals that really suffer, it's, it's just... A, I don't think we need it. The dog doesn't have any choice in it whatsoever. It's a case of the, the owner wants to go there and they've got loads of rosettes and it's lovely. It's probably great for them. But I think it should stay at a local level. I, I, I don't like it being done on, on a big level because it, it just looks... Most of the judges look a bit strange to me. <laughs> 
can't describe it apart from that. Uh, <coughs> oh dear. Uh, Bob and Julie says, very pleased to report that following a very long and difficult battle to shed unwanted weight, I have successfully removed seven stone of unsightly flesh and gristle. We've driven the mother-in-law back home. Ah, thank you very much indeed. It's an old one. So they have their little corner of Cliff Seaside Cornish Heaven. Thank you very much indeed. She's only weighs seven stone, does she? <laughs> it's not very much at all, is it, really? Uh, Trevor says, some teas are very good for you. Black tea, green tea and oolong tea. They're full of antioxidants which, you d- which deal with your free radicals, but you mustn't put milk in. Milk renders the brew a useless brown cup of slop. A slice of lemon is, <coughs> excuse me, fine. The excitement. Yes, I can't drink tea without milk. Mind you, having said that, I can manage to drink tea without sugar. So I suppose if push comes to shove, I could actually drink tea without milk. But I remember having, after I come out of the heart surgery, and my, my surgeon, we always call them my surgeon, I don't know him, but you always say, my surgeon said to me, he said, you should drink, drink uh, green tea, Steve. He said, it's very, very good for you. And I thought, they always say this, don't they? Doctors and surgeons, you should do this, you should do that. And I'm thinking, I don't want to drink, drink green tea. I tried it. I did try it when I was, uh, you know, when I'd just done it. And I, oof, it was horrible. Didn't like it at all. So I went back to drinking my, uh, my usual Earl Grey or Lady Grey or breakfast tea. Now we've discovered the delights of honey and lemon. We're, uh, we're drinking loads of honey and lemon. So I, I brought, brought my lemon in, I brought my honey in, and, uh, and, and, and to be honest with you, I feel a bit better doing it. Just occasionally you get the tickly cough. I've got no idea how we sort that one out. Loads of you seem to have great ideas of how to deal with these things, and then everybody else is telling me that they've had their cough for ages and ages and ages. Uh, Ken and Ealing says, why can't we learn from history? Even in the all-conquering days of the British Empire, we couldn't win in Afghanistan. In recent times, the Russians gave up after ten years, unable to defeat the Taliban. Sadly, all three main political parties in Britain support this unwinnable war. How many more of our brave young men will lose their lives there? Well, I, I hate to state the patently obvious, but that's what soldiers are prepared for. That's what the, I, don't, I don't think they actually train them to lose their lives, but they know that, that is the, that's the ultimate sacrifice. That is the ultimate sacrifice. You can only hope that, that it happens quickly. Because I've seen, and I've lost count of, and you have as well, of the amount of soldiers you've seen with no arms, no limbs, you know, nothing at all. And, uh, and their quality of life, we do the best that we can for them. But sometimes you think they must sit there and just despair at the inevitability of that's what it's going to be like for the rest of their life. But we have to support them. London's biggest conversation, LBC. Morning, 13 minutes to 5, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk or 0845 There's a girl here, she's, uh, she's 19, she can't have children, um, so she's spent money on a hoard of 97 plastic babies. Now, I don't know if these are the babies that are made by this woman who... I don't know how you describe... I can't remember what the name of these kids are, but they look real. They're made out of a pliable rubber, and she makes them and adds hair and all the rest of it. Anyway, this particular woman, Vicky Andrews, began buying them three years ago uh, after she was diagnosed with her polycystic ovary syndrome. Now she's filled her bedroom with reborn dolls with hand-moulded plastic and human hair. Wait for this. this is, I don't have any problem with that. don't have any problem with that at all. She's a student and part-time barmaid, and she spent £20,000. I don't know what I'd like to ask the patently obvious question, but where does a student and part-time barmaid get 20,000 quid from? She lives in Newbury. It's not exactly the most upper echelons of society, let me tell you. She says, if I take them outside, I get funny looks. Of course you do. I had a reality baby once. I've told you that they, they gave it to me. 
on a TV programme to see if I could cope with being a father. I could, of course. It was quite easy. Uh, but this thing had a computer inside it. And if you looked at it, it looked real. And I stood in the lift at ITN and it started crying. And it was then that people realised that it wasn't real. But up until then, people had thought it was real. Even I thought it looked real. But it had the computer in to see how... And it was, I think it was designed, the doll, to make sure that young girls were put off having children. But, of course, you know, you can't equate having a doll with getting a free council house, can you? So it's not quite the same. It didn't kind of work. You know, if you'd actually said, listen, you're going to end up in a squat or living with your parents still, there wouldn't be an incentive. But if you say, listen, you can have this, and it doesn't matter about... You know, you don't have to worry about the father or anything like that... Then it's completely different. She's got 97 of these plastic babies uh, in her bedroom, and it costs £20,000. And um, this is... Um, her her, her fiancé, Warren, isn't keen on them. I'm not at all surprised. They look a bit scared. I mean, 97 dolls. Isn't that a, you know, that's like people that have those things in the bathroom, which is like a knitted crochet cover which goes over your toilet roll. We know it's a toilet roll! You know, putting a doll's face on the top of it doesn't make any difference. There's a yob here who pelted villagers with snowballs, has been given an asbo, banning him from throwing. His name's Keen Lamb. He's a, he's a yob. He looks like a yob. He's 17. He's not allowed to throw anything unless he's playing sport. He's the ringleader of a gang of teenage louts. He's a rather ugly little child, I'm afraid, who cruised a village for six months, terrorising locals by hurling snowballs. You see, now, my answer to this one is quite simple. You know, you, you get these little, little layabouts, these little lowlifes, and what you do is you grab them... And you put them in the stocks and you leave them there. And the villagers, when they go past, throw the things at them like rotten eggs or fruit and you embarrass him because he's a rather silly little girl's blouse. And one local who wouldn't be named for fear of attacks, this is in Copford in West Sussex, says the gang's activities have got steadily worse. You just knew the moment you stepped outside you'd be targeted. But uh, the police sergeant, Graham Prentice, said that uh, he's been a thorn in the flesh of the community. What an embarrassment. Little girl's blouse, keen lamb, 17, but with the mental ability of a three-year-old, I'm afraid. Do you know, if you see him on the street, throw things at him. Get rotten eggs, throw them back at him. You don't, you can't, I find it unbelievable in this day and age that, you know, you've got people who go around terrorising. He was the leader of a gang. Oh, bless his little girly, his little girly face. 17 years old. I tell you, I could embarrass him quite easily. Quite easily. I tell you what, let's send the car to the only way is Essex down there. They could deal with him quite easily. Quite easily. 0845 There's a woman here. After they did the woman in the paper the other day who eats sponges. Do you remember she eats sponges? They've now found lots of different things. They found a dental... That, that, that was a dental nurse. She's eaten 4,000 sponges. So they found some other people here. TV engineer Devi Titria uh, eats plaster off the wall of her home. Stupid person. I'm sorry, I can't believe it. Um, her husband, Ammo, a sales manager, blamed it on rats. And uh, so she takes bits of plaster off and eats them. I mean, you'd think by now the walls would have fallen in. There's another one here called Kadisha Taborna. What's she addicted? You won't believe this one. I mean, you, I mean, in all the things that you would think of, and we've talked about it on the programme over the last few days, this woman doesn't rub it on, she eats it. She eats Vic Vapor Rub. She eats... She's pictured here with a spoon full of Vic... She eats Vic Vapor Rub. Perhaps that might sort my throat out. And then there's Helen Morton. What is she, she eats ice. Well, oh, I don't think that's very exciting. Is that the best they could... Ice? We all eat ice. Never eat ice. You know, when you're outside and it snows, you pick up... You, you eat ice. 
It's not very exciting. Vic Vaporub, I think, is, I mean, you're not all there, are you, in the brain department, and eating plaster off the walls. Wouldn't want to invite her round for dinner, would you? Just sit in front of the skirting board with a knife and fork. Before you know where you are, you've managed to sort of open up the, uh, the gap into your hallway, which is quite nice. Hope she could... It's open plan living when she comes round for dinner. You could say to her, listen, we need the bedroom wall taken down upstairs into the bathroom. Should I take your knife and fork up there, dear? But eating ice isn't very exciting. And um, PR executive Helen says, when I was pregnant with Pearl, I developed the most bizarre craving. I had to eat ice, masses of it. Everybody does that. I mean, I don't think that's unusual. Ice is normal. I mean, I, I've, I've got a, a seven, eight years old she is now. She, she sucks lemons. She likes sucking lemons. And I sit there and I go, what are you doing? She said, I like lemons. And you think, is she doing it because I'm expressing horror and revulsion that she's eating lemons? Or is she really eating lemons? Mind you, most of my, my godchildren, they were eating mussels and whelks at the age of about five and six. They would devour plates of... And I'd be sitting there going, ooh, God, how awful. How disgusting. But ice, you know, I don't think that's, that's particularly unusual. I mean, if somebody was eating a, a bicycle... I could understand. Eating, eating plaster is very strange. Although I've seen a lot, almost, I've, I've seen a lot of pigeons pecking at bricks. And you know why? They've, um, it's the salt in the bricks. That's what it is. It's the salt in the bricks. I've watched pigeons, because, I mean, to be honest with you, we, we've still got the balmy woman around Twickenham who feeds the pigeons about four times. And she's up really early. If I see her next time, I'm going to run her over. But she goes out and she's got a trolley like a shopping trolley, she's got those horrible plastic shoes. You know those plastic shoes that people wore for a while, which became really, really fashionable? Everybody was wearing them. Rubber shoes. And I can't remember what they were called. There was a name for these. Crocs. Crocs. It's OK if you're working in a shop, but I don't think you walk about on the street with Crocs on. But anyway, she, she's got them. And, uh, oh, she's got sores on her legs. and It's just awful. She's quite clearly one of these balmy people who likes animals so much she's not prepared to sort of concentrate on herself. So she's overfeeding the pigeon. The pigeons sometimes sit there looking at her going, we're not touching that. We fed us five times yesterday. Don't want to eat any more, thank you very much indeed. But, um, so she was out very early in the morning. So if I bump into her again, believe you me, I'll bump into her again. So yesterday I get my DVD. And what is it? Joanna Lumley visits the Northern Lights. So they send a film crew and Joe Lumley, who everything Joe Lumley does is like a voiceover. It was so beautiful. Trompler was just magical. And everything is all whispered. And it's just so, so beautiful. And when I was listening to it, I was thinking, she's doing a voiceover for a film here. And she goes out there and she, at the very end, <clears throat> it's, it's really just an excuse to show you the Sami people. Uh, but if you go to the Arctic Circle, you'll bump into them all over the place. Uh, very friendly, and, uh, their business is reindeer. They herd reindeer. They eat reindeer. They wear reindeer. They use every part of the reindeer. They've got thousands in their herd. Anyway, the whole purpose of the programme was to, uh, was to watch us, uh, or to watch her seeing the Northern Lights. Now, I've seen the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis, and, uh, and you see them on most evenings. If, it, if, it's, if it's, you know, nice evening and the, uh, the cloud covers down, you can see them, and it's the gases, as you know. And, uh, and so they've got her watching the Northern... And she starts doing her voiceover. And there's, some, there's something coming over the hill. And, oh, my goodness, it's just so beautiful. And it, it was quite marvellous to watch. And I'm looking at it thinking, no, I've seen the Aurora Borealis. This, it's very fast. Very, very fast. It's not anything that goes very slow. If you're, if you're playing it to music, it probably looks very slow, but it isn't. 
And so I, I watched it, and I thought that was very nice indeed. And then I clicked through all the bits of the extras. And one of it was the making of the Northern Lights. And you've got the producer explaining what I knew anyway, which is the lights last for seconds. You know, you all of a sudden have a... And that'll be it. What they did, they discovered they couldn't film it, so they photographed it. Every five seconds they took another picture, and then they, they slowed it right down. So it looked as though the lights were building up. It looked as though the lights were building up, and he said, that's how we did it. And we photographed her. She had to stand very still... And then every five seconds, move a little bit, and then we, we could speed her up. So it looked as though she was watching what you were seeing. You, you weren't really. You weren't really seeing that. What they'd done is they'd enhanced it. But it was, it was very interesting to watch, but I, I was fascinated by the Northern Lights. And if anything would encourage you to go to some of these remote places, um, then that film would, because it was just lovely. I mean, it's just deserted. And yet, what does she find? In the middle, the furthest point north... Inside the Arctic Circle, where they, they do cod fishing and they put the cod all outside. Who's actually putting all the cod outside? Polish. The Polish workers have managed to infiltrate right up there. She said, the same as in this country, we've got lots and lots of Polish workers. She said, there they are, all the Polish workers up there. Burger and chips, £12.50, says Jan. Almost the same price at Twickenham when the rugby's on. Really? Good Lord, you should go down to the Barmy Arms. £4.50 they charge there for burger. Big cheese bread. They don't do, uh, they don't do chips. That's far too, uh, far too fiddly. Uh, Steve, I can't stop laughing about the person eating walls. I know, I mean, it's, uh, I thought walls ice cream when she started, but no, she eats plaster. Don't invite this woman round. She's mad as a broom, I'm afraid. Phil says, if the 97 dolls are the same type as the one you had, imagine the noise if they all cried at once. <gasps> Dear me, dreadful. Steve, have the Kylie tickets really sold out? Or have they been allocated to online ticket agencies? Um, I suspect they've probably been allocated to online ticket agencies because I didn't realise until a friend of mine told me the other day that when they say, oh, it's sold out, you think, well, how have they got through that fast? Agencies buy up huge swathes of tickets. And it happened during... Who was over here? Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand, yes. Huge swathes of tickets were bought out and they then inflate the prices. And they didn't sell. So when you saw her... There was one huge side of the order, nobody in it. Because the agencies bought them in an effort to make more money. And, and unfortunately, most of, the, most of the, uh, the people who are selling, they don't care who they're selling them to. So if, if I phone up and Holly phones up and goes, can we just have two tickets each, they're not going to be interested. But if Sam Pittis phones up and goes, I'd like 5,000 tickets to go and see Dolly Parton, A, there'd be questions asked in the House of Commons, and second, you know, because it's not his sort of music. But also, he then has to shift 5,000 tickets that he's bought. So that's what... So I, I think you're right. I think that, uh, that a lot of the tickets have been bought up. And that way they can then say, oh, look, Kylie Minogue sold out. Because I reckon there's loads of people listening going, well, I didn't get through to tickets, but they are on sale online. So if they're still on sale online, were they bought by other agencies? It's quite big business. Quite big business. Would you be buying an iPad, the new one? Have you got the old one? I'm not sure I can justify buying another iPad. In fact, I'm pretty certain I can't justify buying another iPad. <laughs> Might buy some more Manuka honey, but I'm definitely not going to buy another iPad. Uh, Pete in Liverpool says, did your doll used to say, Daddy, Daddy, my Daddy? <laughs> no, but it probably would do if I trained it to do it. And do your Turkish slippers have curly toe ends? No, they don't. 
They're very nice, though, but I do keep falling out of them. It's an age thing, I suppose. News at Five is coming up very shortly with Sam Pittis on LBC 97.3. What makes you proud to be British? We're a nation of tea drinkers, but uh, it's the history. Is it the royal family that make you proud to be a member of this, uh, of this country? Or is it listening to Steve Allen's Early Breakfast on LBC 97.3? Do tell us, and the rest of the world, on the usual numbers. On FM, online, Allen. A lot of people thinking the lady that eats ice, maybe it's a typo, perhaps she eats mice. Because <laughs> we didn't think eating ice was particularly peculiar. It's nice to have your uh, company this morning. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's four minutes past five. And uh, Steve in Sevenoaks says, My friend used to eat... Uh, lemons, but the acid damaged the lining of her stomach, and, uh, and has given her an ulcer. Yes, you've got to be careful with, with le- I mean, I'm not, I'm not sucking lemon. Oh, I've, lost my, I've just realised I've given the cup away. I've just uh, looked down, I thought the cup's vanished. <laughs> some, some, don't worry, it's safe. Oh, dear. God is in heaven, we're all right this morning. So it's this, you all knew about it yesterday. I was very impressed with the fact that, uh, everybody knew about Manuka honey. But then I, I always had a sneaking feeling years ago, from uh, from Michael Van Stratton, that LBC 97.3's audience are very well aware of w- of what what they call alternative medicines, a very good few, and uh, or complementary medicines. They're complementary because they complement other stuff you get from the doctor. And you find a lot of chemists now. My one uh, goods in Twickenham does the complementary. They, they do everything. In fact, it's what I call a well-stocked chemist. I could have a field day in there if I was working there. I would spend all day looking along the shelves because they've got everything. There is absolutely everything. How you order this stuff, I've got no idea, but I would spend ages looking through the shelves. I love stuff like that. When I go to America, I love looking along the shelves of the, uh, of the pharmacies there because all the pharmacies are on the corners. And you can take a trolley round. I mean, it's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, Britain is a nation of tea drinkers. We are, aren't we? I don't know why we are, we just are. There's probably people sitting listening to this programme at the moment, probably in a taxi. You know, and you've got the flask out. You've made yourself a pot of tea. Had a little brew this morning. And uh, there's people sitting at home on the kitchen table. And uh, you've got a piece of toast. Got a fag on, you know. And there's an ashtray full of things and there's a cup of tea there. Because that's what we do. We're British. We have a cup of tea and a cigarette. And we stare out the window. You've got your pyjamas on and your dressing gown. And you can't quite be bothered to get dressed just yet. Because you think it's only five past five. And you're looking out the window and you're going, it's still dark, you know. <sighs> And, and it's, it's quite pleasing. I used to do it years ago. You'd open the window on a sort of a freezing cold morning, you know, where, where you open the window and, and the, the gush of cold air practically takes your breath away. And you look out and you, and you smoke a cigarette and you blow it outside and you go... And it, for some reason it helps you sleep. People were saying to us a few days ago, weren't we, we had this big dilemma on the programme about how you get to sleep. And people say, you know... And I was saying the things you shouldn't do before you go to bed, which is you shouldn't really smoke, you shouldn't really uh, drink alcohol, you shouldn't eat, you should really get some exercise and you should really be tired. I discovered, having had the hot toddy last night, that was an absolute wicked treat. I don't want to get into that situation every single night. But, um, but I, I, I quite fancy the idea of, of not drinking wine for a little while. And then I thought to myself, you can't really go into a pub, can you, and say, excuse me, um, is it possible you could bring... Bring me a cup of hot water with uh, with a shot of brandy and I'll put my own Manuka honey in it. Because they're just not going to buy this idea. You know, pubs are not going to be very accommodating. So then I thought perhaps I could take my own little shot of, of brandy out with me and my Manuka honey. They could make a little, perhaps a, like putting it in a syringe and you just go, and you just do a squirt in a cup. Because it's very refreshing and it's very good for you. And when you get a little bit older, we like things that are quite good, like slippers. 
I won't hear a word said again. Slippers. I absolutely love the things. So now I've got two pairs. Very excited by everything. And um, another one here, which says, uh, putting Manuka honey in hot water kills the antibacterial properties. No, it doesn't. I checked that. I checked that. It doesn't. It doesn't. People say that, you know. Uh, Steve, I couldn't believe it, wrote somebody to me the other day. Are you telling me that Katie Price has got a column in the same paper as Frankie Boyle? Yeah, yeah, this is this is Katie Price. Oh, I don't like Frankie Boyle, do I? Because he was dissing my son and all the rest of it. Was that a column? Yeah, I'll do it. Well, I don't write it. Somebody else will write it for me. I'll just put my name on the bottom of it. Because the pricey is always right. Mm, the pricey always backtracks, me think. Uh, try red bush tea or coffee with soya milk. No, thank you. And uh, I'm Slovakian, Steve. I've lived here for 17 years. I'm immensely proud to live in Britain. In my eyes, the Brits have the best sense of humour in the whole world. Uh, I don't think you've really cracked the English language and get the British until you understood the British humour and Frankie Boyle. Nobody... I'll tell you what people don't understand about the Brits. They don't understand sarcasm. It's like you say to somebody, oh, that jumper looks really good on you. And then you look away and they go, oh, thank you. You think, no, it's not a compliment. I'm being rude. I'm being sarcastic. They don't understand irony. You could stand there and they go, how's your day been? I remember saying to somebody... It was, I, I don't know why I did it, actually. I was, I was in an impish mood... And the girl said to me in Starbucks, so, how was your day? And I went, oh, it's dreadful. I said, my best friend was run over. I said, I've just been diagnosed with this and that. And she went, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, no, I'm joking. Oh, oh, right. And you think, people don't understand. Perhaps it's the way that we say it. You know, mind you, I can't think of any good Slovakian comedians at the moment. I'm sure there must be loads of them, but I can't think of any at all. And yet we were talking yesterday to, uh, to Zach Braff, and he was talking about comics, because he's a, he's a comedic writer. And, uh, and the idea of standing on stage films, fills him with absolute horror. So that's what I think we're, we're actually very good at in this country. Um, Vincent says, you could only buy two tickets for Kylie. The tickets are wristbands with individual names printed on them. They have to be picked up personally by the debit credit card holder, all designed by the pop princess to stop ticket touts. No, we're not talking about touts. These aren't touts. These are other ticket agencies buying huge swathes of tickets. They did it on the television, I think it was only the other week. And so it's... Ha, ha! <laughs> I just forgot how hot it was. Uh, th- these aren't ticket touts who are buying these tickets. These are other ticket agencies. Legitimate ticket agencies. But they're buying tons of things. They're buying loads. So, you know, to try and process two tickets for Kylie, you'd be sitting there for all year, wouldn't you? Two tickets and bring your credit card and you've got to show... It's rubbish. You're never going to get there. So what they do is they sell thousands to one particular agency. That way they've offloaded thousands and then they can actually say, well, listen, we have sold out. Technically, they have. They've sold out of their allocation. It's just they've sold them all to somebody else. And it's it's been going on for years. It's been going on for absolute years, I'm afraid. Um... (laughs) Uh, Steve, have you seen the new Forbes billionaire list? The richest man in the world is a Mexican. Must be very scary to be a billionaire in Mexico. Going out for anything must be a nightmare. I can't imagine the security around his family. Well, do you remember that film crew? When they were doing... Who was doing it? Was it Top Gear? I think... Is Top Gear the one with those three aged Lotharios who still wear jeans at the age of about 79 or something? And, uh, And they've got them on there. They're all a bit blokey. Well, you know, blokes with very long hair are slightly suspect. And, um, and they went to Mexico and they, they, they were trying to confiscate the, the camera and everything. He said it, they, they feared for their life. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Not my most favourite place, Mexico. I'm sure that's lovely. Uh, Luke in Brighton. When my cousin was younger, she used to suck snails. 
Well, people eat them, so there's no, no difference, is there, really? Strange or strange eat... Uh, prompted me, then, to ask the question, what do you eat that's peculiar? What do you eat... I mean, I've, I've heard of people eating raw liver. I mean, I used to eat raw potato. I didn't think that that was anything unusual at all, but I've spoken to people, they've got raw potato, like I'd, I'd been eating, sort of, you know, the cat or something. I said, no, raw potato. When my mum used to, you know, cut potato up, and she'd do it either for, you know, she was making roast potatoes or sautéed potatoes. I'd eat a little bit of raw potato and somebody said, that's really bad for you. Well, I've lived this long. I mean, how long do you want to live? You know, it's been fine. It's like, you know, you used to put, put your finger in the bowl of the cake mix. That was always good. Everybody always had those big brown bowls for cake mixing. And for custard and things like that. And when I was, when I was a kid, I used to eat earth. My mother used to say I used to eat earth when we lived in Egypt. She said you were forever playing with the earth and eating it. I thought it hasn't done me any harm, has it? I didn't sort of think about that. I used to eat flowers out the garden and petals and leaves. I mean, let's face it, I, mean, I suppose, if, you know, if you were going to be sick, you'd be sick and then you wouldn't eat them again. But I, I never quite understood why there are certain things you have to eat for breakfast and certain things you can't eat for breakfast. So what do you eat that's unusual? Well, the, 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 um, having discovered there's a woman who eats ice, which we didn't think was peculiar, but there's another woman who eats who eats cement walls, plaster walls. <laughs> she really is a bit of a worry. This is after the woman the other day who eats sponges. And then there's another woman who eats Vic Vaporub. Eats Vic Vaporub. She will buy a jar of it and spoon it into her mouth. It cannot be good for you. It, I mean, it really cannot be good for you. I mean, it's, I mean, it burns when you put it on anything. It's like an inflammatory thing, isn't it? You put it on, it's like... It's hot. You know, to actually eat the stuff... I mean, you really must have, I suppose, you know, the constitution of an ox, if you can eat things. I mind you, I suppose people eat hot food, don't they? People go out to Indian restaurants and go, give me the hottest curry that you've got. So I don't. I do korma. Well, I do go. I mean, I, d- I don't eat korma either now, I'm afraid. Uh, Noreen, looking forward to seeing PJ Proby uh, on his next tour. He said in the papers today, this is P- PJ Proby, who has claimed £47,000 benefit. Uh, and he said he went on tour... Um, because it was therapy. And, you know, I suppose you should say roughly the same in most jobs, don't you really? In fact, he said, while I was, uh, I was emailing Noreen yesterday, my dad actually told me to remind her of a time when as a result of the infamous trouser-splitting incident at the Fairfield Halls in Croydon in 65, Mr Proby was banned by the owners of the ABC cinema circuit from all of their theatres. My dad worked for them at the time, and the box office was besieged by hundreds of rather upset young ladies who were not very happy... Forty years on, Janet Jackson got banned by American television when a bit more than her bottom went on display, but now they call it a wardrobe malfunction. Yes, do you remember that? America went into meltdown over Janet Jackson. I think she was doing the entertainment in between one of these, uh, these, the, the, the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden she inadvertently, you know, a little bit was exposed, you know, and she showed, she was a little bit like Judy Finnegan, although, to be honest, when Judy Finnegan stood up on stage with her bra showing, and, and nobody, even, even, even the dim husband never realised either, it took John Leslie, whoa, hold back, John Leslie to actually come up there and go, uh, fast it together, and Judy went, because she had no idea what was going on, Paul Soul. No idea at all. Quarter past five. It's Thursday morning in London town. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I'm sure I'm drinking and eating too much of this Manuka honey now. <laughs> We're halfway through this jar, and at £12.50, you know, I just need to find another part-time job. News headlines with Sam Pittis. Good morning, Steve. The head of the armed forces, General Sir David Richards, is insisting... 
Morning, 19 minutes past five. Gorillas. Gorillas, you've noticed, have featured on the news over the past couple of days because they, they've said they're almost human. And, and I was watching this programme and I've watched the evolution from, uh, from ape to man. And so I can't quite get to grips with the fact that we've still got gorillas. If you go to London Zoo and you look at their, their gorillas, you can sit there and look at them through this very thick glass. And they can see you as well. And they're obviously used to people, so they just totally ignore you. And you watch them, and they are human. Abs- they, do, they, seem to, they, they sort of look at you quizzically, and people take pictures of them, and, of course, people tap the glass, which you're not supposed to do, because they're, you know, it, it upsets them. They just like to sit there and sort of eat. And, and strangely enough, the, the stuff they're eating, the vegetables, makes, according to the paper today, people cuter. The more vegetables you eat, the cuter you become. I'm going to start eating loads of vegetables today. I'm telling you, I'm really going for vegetables big time. But they've got all these gorillas, and it turns out that 15%, 15% of a gorilla's DNA is closer to humans than a chimpanzee's, because they've said you can train chimpanzees, they will do this, but then you train anything, you train any dog or cat or whatever it has to be, or mouse, to do a particular trick, and it gets a reward at the end of it. Chimpanzees discovered that if they, if they threw a ball and it knocked over a particular target, they got a treat. And that's how you, that's how you, you train animals. And I was quite fascinated by this, but I want to know at what point, and why does it not happen anymore, that gorillas or chimpanzees stay gorillas and chimpanzees, whereas apes before turned into us? At what point? And they don't know. At what point did we turn into, into us, you know, the, the intelligent side of it? And yet gorillas and chimpanzees are very intelligent, and yet they haven't turned into humans. You expect to sort of go down one day to London Zoo and have a look at the gorilla enclosure to find sort of three human beings standing in there. And you go, I'm sorry, who are you? And they go, well, we were the gorillas of here yesterday, but we've now, we've evolved. We went to sleep last night and we've woken up as human beings. I don't understand how that all happens. I haven't quite got to grips with evolution because it's so complicated and so big. And so riddled with anomalies, I don't know where to begin on it. I was looking at, <clears throat> on uh, YouTube the other day, and uh, all these things around the world which are just natural phenomena. Either big sinkholes open up, or, you know, the middle of the jungle, they've got these huge lakes which just appear out of nowhere. You look at the Grand Canyon and you think that millions of years ago, millions of years ago, it was all underwater. The whole thing was underwater, and now it's all dried out, and you can go to the Grand Canyon, and you can see that millions and millions of years ago, it's only the top layer that is millions of years ago, you go down further and further and further, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. And yet, I, I didn't quite take it for granted when I went there. Andrew is just back from Berlin. Oh, no, he's in Berlin, I think. He says, just discovered your show. I love it. Well, there you go. You said, it's always very happy. You're in Berlin, though, so you're starved of decent... There's no decent radio in Berlin, is there? No decent radio at all, as far as I can remember. Um, <laughs> I think plaster off the wall, says Trevor, and Vic Vaporub sound quite appetising when you compare them to some of my friends eat liver. He eats liver. And he washes it down with a cup of tea with milk in it. I love liver. Not raw liver. Would he eat raw liver or cooked liver? You see, cooked liver I absolutely adore. I, re- I really do. I, I really do. I really do, actually. I love liver. It, it takes something to get it right. Liver and bacon... With mashed potato and onion. Oh, yeah. Oh, crikey, yeah. I didn't like to watch my mother buying it from the butchers. Because I used to think, oh, I'm not sure about that. But it tasted delicious. Uh, what makes me proud to be British, says Andrew. Leniency and tolerance. But I fear this very same trait could also be our downfall. We need to be careful. We are very lenient, aren't we? 
We are very, very, very trusting in this country. Very, very trusting. Um, the woman who eats plaster isn't a weird one-off. Um, she's a classic case of Pika's disease, which can be caused in some cases by a chemical imbalance or iron deficiency, making a person crave eating certain things like paint, plaster, chalk. She should see her GP immediately. Oh, I think she is, because she could develop lead poisoning. This is from a doctor. And it says, seriously, her husband needs to get it to the doctor right away. It's found in children as well. Well, this is after the woman the other day eats washing up pads. Those that those pan scourers, she eats them. She's eaten about 14,000. And apparently she suffers from all sorts of, uh, of tummy problems and things like that. But she still eats them. So I, I, I knew of Pika's disease. Uh, but the idea of eating plaster. But they go in the papers now and people think it's odd, don't they? Well, I think it's fairly odd. I didn't think ice was very odd at all. And, uh, ice, I just thought, seemed... Seemed perfectly normal. It's like eating snow. And I know all the jokes before you send them in. Thank you very much indeed. But it, it, it is odd, the things that we eat nowadays. I mean, some people can't understand people eating mushrooms. You know, people don't like mushrooms, but I like mushrooms. Some people like certain things. I think, oh, I couldn't eat that. And they go, oh, I'm, I'm going to eat snails. You go, oh, no, I couldn't eat sna- frog's legs. No, couldn't eat frog's legs. Could you eat shark? No, 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 no. I can't even go to a Chinese restaurant and eat uh, octopus. Or anything like that. Oh, goodness me, no. Just normal thing. Can't even eat olives, you see. So, obviously, one, one man's meat, another man's poison, I'm afraid. And uh, and I'm, I'm just a bit sort of straight down the line. It's like some people don't like tinned tomatoes or beans. There's always something people don't like. But there's also an awful lot of items that people eat that others see as being very, very odd. It's piker, is it? This craving to eat non-food. Barbara says you could... I mean, the woman who eats plaster, easy to accommodate. You just give her a plate of polyfiller. And she'd be quite happy eating it. Because she, does she, she sees that as food, doesn't she? That's the, that's the downside of pica. She sees it as food. She doesn't think anything about it. And there might be after effects and it might make her ill. But it's, it's uh, I suppose, people who see themselves as very, very slim, the anorexics. It's an illness. They actually see themselves as being, you know, as being fat. But in fact, everybody else goes, no, you're, you're way too thin. You're way too, and they go, no, no, I'm not. I'm really, I'm overweight. And, and most of us who are overweight love the idea and go, oh, blimey, I wish I, uh, I wish I was one of those people. <laughs> I wish I could just, you know, not eat and, uh, and try and get rid of the excess fat. But it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Steve, I put my radio on every day between 4 and 6.30. Thank you very much indeed. Andy in Chelmsford. Yes, my wife used to eat hot, hot water bottles. Hot water bottles? He said, yep. She chewed her way through nine in the first baby and six on the second. Luckily, we had two bouncing baby boys. Thank you very much indeed. Was that the, was that the joke, or is, or is it quite so she eats hot water bottles? I've heard it, because during pregnancy, women eat all sorts of things, don't they? W- women have, have cravy. Coal was a very popular one. People used to eat coal. I couldn't quite work out why you'd want to chew... Oh, it's my flesh creep. Even to think about putting a piece of coal in your mouth. Oh, dear, not very nice at all. Um, I eat raw sausage, says D. I've done so for at least 60 years. I just love slurping... Oh, no... Raw sausage. Oh, dear, you're not normal, are you? My my, my mum and I, says Patrick, enjoy butter on oven chips. Butter? Mind you, I remember people um, eating... What was it people used to put on, on bread? Was it lard? People used to get lard and... Sm- oh, dripping. That's right, bread and drip. Oh, goodness me. I've seen dripping. I used to get it from the butcher's shop. The very idea that you want to eat it, I can't... Oh, it was dreadful. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. 
There's certain things, aren't there? You open up somebody's fridge, you go, oh, you're not eating that, are you? I open the fridge upstairs in the kitchen, here's some very odd things. Very odd things. And, um, uh, Craig in Amersham says, a friend of mine ate live squid once. Nasty. But, uh, love the show. My day would not be complete without it. That's what we like to hear. Tell your friends. Join the Facebookers. They're all very happy out there. All the old crumblies. Bless their hearts. Most of them on medication, but at least they're, they're struggling through life, as indeed we all are. But, uh, it's this, it's these strange, yes, bread and dripping. Bread and dripping. The stuff we used to get... Although we all seem to get through the war. Very interesting, I was saying yesterday about being fat and saying to you that diets don't work. You know, each diet is different and it's your metabolism that makes you the size you are. I mean, it, 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 does, it, it doesn't really mean anything to be fat nowadays, apart from the fact that, you know, you're eating... I mean, I, I said yesterday, you could put two people the same size in a room, give them exactly the same food, but they would not turn out in a few years' time looking the same. One would have put on more weight because it's the way that your, your body deals with it. Still trying to work out oven chips with butter over the top of them. I mean, that really cannot be good for you, can it? Martina says, you haven't heard of any good Slovakian comedians because there aren't any. We have a good sense of humour, but, but no good comedians. Mainly, <laughs> they've become alcoholics. <laughs> Occupational hazard, I should imagine. Um, Iceman says the uh, the agencies are legal touts. They buy tickets and sell them for a profit. I remember interviewing a guy ages age ago called uh, Stan Flashman. And he could guarantee to get tickets for anything, for any event, from a, a garden party with the royal family or, you know, to a Steve Allen sold-out show. He could get tickets to a, to a show, and he was very good. And he was, he was sort of a tout. You know, you see people standing outside theatres, don't you? Got tickets for tonight's Phantom of the Opera, tickets for the Phantom of the Opera... They're all out there. Kevin says, to put anybody off parenthood, somebody should invent the teenage doll. 24 hours of I want, I need, I hate you, money, don't care. No one with an ounce of sanity would ever have kiddies. With my collection indoors, I really should have had uh, just the one. Bit late for me now. Morning to all the fellow crumblies. It's true, isn't it? For teenagers go through that, I want. And then we see the world's worst teenagers on the television. They now make TV programmes about them. And they put them on the table, and they're just badly behaved people. They don't know, please, thank you. I was queuing up for something the other day. <laughs> I can't remember where it was. Well, I can remember where it was. I won't tell you where it was. And uh, that w- while I was waiting uh, for my order, uh, this other man sort of came in, and he had one of these bags on his back, and he wanted it. He, he spent two pounds, and he wanted to put it on a credit card. I thought, you really must be hard up if you're putting that on a credit card. But he sort of pushed me out of the way. He didn't say, excuse me, please. He just sort of pushed a little bit. But then I did see something brilliant. I'm on the train yesterday. Businessman gets on the Reading train, from Waterloo, puts his can of Coke down on the floor, gets his computer out, properly knocks over the can of Coke. So, of course, it starts. As the train's moving, we've got the cake. So what does he do? He's on the phone, he goes, I'll call you back, puts the phone down, goes to the toilet, gets a load of paper and mops it all up. Wouldn't find a young people doing that in this day and age, but an older person, mainly because we all sat there and glared at him, you know, and he did it. And then he went back and got some more and sort of mopped. I was very impressed by that. So if you're listening, sir, you're a credit to the older generation. It's LBC 97.3. It's 5.30. Bread with sugar is a very popular one with you this morning, and I myself used to do that. It seems disgusting now, but at the time, at the time, bread with sugar, you, you butter some bread, and you get a packet of sugar. It doesn't work with cubes. You get a packet of sugar, even though we used to sit there in the uh, motorway service station picking up the sugar cubes. God knows how many other... Isn't it funny? You never thought about the fact that other people with dirty hands who hadn't washed them after being to the toilet would also be picking up the same sugar cubes. Then they started wrapping sugar cubes, and it was packets of sugar. But you would, you would get a piece of bread and butter, and you would pour sugar over it, fold it over, and eat it. 
Sugar on bread. God, we were easily pleased, weren't we? We really were. Good grief, this other D says D is a very old raw sausage. I'm amazed she's still breathing. You must get poisoned, mustn't you? I don't know. Some people seem to be... Well, people are immune to certain things. Uh, Joe says shark is delicious. It's just fish. Oh, no, thank you very much indeed. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Stuart in Guildford is going to bed with a smile on his face. No, nothing to do with me. Don't ask me about things. I don't know nothing about Guildford. But it's quite, quite pretty, isn't it? Quite pretty. Ian in Croydon says, as a child, we were encouraged to eat, or at least try everything, and especially offal. Oh, dear. Yes, I've seen offal. That's that sort of white stuff that looks like it's on a beach in the... in. Oh, dear me. So now I love liver, kidneys. Yes, oh, strangely enough, when you say kidneys, and it's now made my flesh creep, because if I'm, if I'm having a steak and kidney pie, which is quite nice... Uh, that, 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 that's okay. But if I see kidneys being cut on television and they take them and they peel the thing off the top and then they cut them down the middle, I just keep thinking it looks disgusting. So I kind of, I'm kind of a bit put off. But steak kidney pie, I, I love. I try and pretend they're mushrooms. <laughs> but he says, what drives my friends crazy now is I love roasted heart. Could you buy this? Is this, is this, more, is this on sale here? Is this some, some strange thing? You cut off the ventricles and the fat and then pack them with sage and onion stuff. You are joking. Is that normal? Poor old Holly's not feeling at all good this morning. She's quite quite worried now at the eating habits. Mind you, the one thing I couldn't get over was the restaurant in Paris that only serves pig's trotters. Or let's call it another way, feet. They're feet. And they come... To- oh, dear, I mean, I, I feel queasy thinking about it. I'm sorry if you're just about to enjoy your breakfast this morning. Sausages, bacon... And stuff like that. I, d- I tell you what I don't like. I don't like bacon with the white bits on it. You know when they... Because it's got water in it. Most bacon has got water, about 90% water in it. So when they actually do it, it's got these white... Oh, I don't like that at all. It's like, I can't do runny eggs. I cannot do runny eggs for love nor money. I've got a friend of mine, Michael, and he just to deliberately, you know, have some, have some egg on toast. And he would cut the eggs so the yolk used to run off. Now, years ago, I could do that. I could eat a, a boiled egg for breakfast. I couldn't eat a boiled egg now. I feel physically ill even thinking about the fact of boiled egg, and then you take your spoon and you crack the top of it, and then you, we used to have a little machine, you put it on there, it's called my mother, and, uh, and she took the, the thing off the top, and then you'd look, I'd like look at it, and I would, I would dive in with my eggy soldiers. Not now. Not, I could not eat a boiled egg now if you sat there and paid me. I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> so, Ian, the very idea... You see, liver... Kidneys, but not roasted hearts. I couldn't eat pig's trotters either. My, my my friend Michael went to the butchers. He wanted a pig's head because his his mother's Greek, and apparently they have this thing where they boil a pig's head, and and then they oh dear me, didn't do me any good at all. I mean I'm you know I'm wouldn't be much good at a hog roast, would I? Although I did go to a hog roast. My friend Pete, married to Dawn with with Poppy, and. Um, and uh, he had a hog roast. Well, that was great. But I don't want to look at the head of it or anything like that. It looks horrible. But my friend came back with a pig's head in a bag from the butchers in, in Twickenham. And his mum then cooks it and does... I don't know what you do with it. Uh, liver and kidneys are classed as awful, says Jay. You see, I, I can eat liver and kidneys. Well, just... I, I couldn't... Oh, I, I don't want to watch somebody cooking a kidney. It's funny, isn't it? We're talking about all these things. We've suddenly realised I've got more hang-ups than most of you put together. Uh, little Julie... Says, just woken up to you talking about eating dirt this morning. I know. As, as a child, I ate dirt. But there again, as a child, we used to put insects in our mouth. Nowadays, they call it the Bush Tucker Trial. And it's, um... 
<laughs> people earn a lot of money for doing it. When I was a child, we didn't earn money for doing things like that. We just sort of ate it. Phil says, I thought getting plastered was having too much to drink, not eating walls. Well, apparently, because of this pica, this, this illness, she eats stuff because she thinks it's food. She thinks it's food. So if you think something's food, then you don't see it as plaster on the walls. It's just a case of, you know, you can imagine if she starts hanging around the side of your car and looking at your tyres rather rather interestingly, you're going to be pushing her away as quick as possible. So what makes you proud to be British? Believe it or not, this list, which I've got in front of me here, has got some very strange... Number ten, what makes you proud to be British? British business. British business makes you proud to be British. Number nine, our position in the world. What is our position in the world? What, I wonder what people think. I mean, no people want to come here because we're just... I don't think we have a position in the world. It's just because we're a soft touch. You know, they, they reckon there's a million people here illegally working in this country and they're, they're all part of the black economy. Number eight, the British sports teams. That makes you proud to be... Brit- what British sports teams? I didn't know we had any. They're all now saying to me, James O'Brien said to me, he said, he said uh, Tom, what's it, the, the swimmer, he said, uh, daily, he said, I don't think he's going to win. I said, of course he's going to win. Of course he's going to win. He's going to do it for his dad. He's going to do it because he's, he's proud. Having a free press at number seven, that's what makes you proud to be British, having a free press on the media, which, of course, is what we have, so we're very grateful. We have, we have, uh, we have speech here, unless, of course, it's defamatory or offensive, in which case, then, that's just stupid people. They're rather pathetic. Our sense of democracy at number six, our culture and arts, definitely our, our culture, Definitely. Number four, the royal family. Don't you number four, the royal family? I thought that's what people came to this country to see. Uh, number three, the British Army and the Armed Forces. Yes, that makes me proud. Makes me proud to think there's people doing it. Makes me proud to... See, the Festival of Remembrance, I've said time and time again, makes me proud. Makes you proud to be British, you go there. Really does. Number two, the NHS. Yes. I know there'll be people who disagree, but overall, I think the NHS is fantastic. And, um... And I think we should be proud of it. And number one, our history. Because we have the best history in the whole wide world. We have everything. Within a short, a short walk from here, you can see everything. You can see absolutely everything. The history is in the buildings. I've said to you before, when you go out, look up. Look up at the buildings. That's where you'll see the history. That's where you'll see the history. Looking up. Because the buildings very rarely change above street level. Lower street level, they become shops, and they change those bits. They, somebody moves out, they move something else in. But look up, and you'll always see, you know, exactly what, uh, what London used to look like. It must have been fantastic. Uh, Nicolette says, listening to your show, and as a child, I used to drink vinegar. Vinegar? I've heard of people drinking vinegar. Well, actually, in theory, we have all drunk vinegar. Because when you have pickled onions, invariably, they're, they're drenched in vinegar, aren't they? And we put vinegar on our chips together with salt so vinegar as well i mean i wouldn't actually drink drink vinegar by itself i wouldn't <laughs> drain off the pickled onions and just drink the vinegar but uh, i have I have drunk vinegar there's all sorts of different vinegars aren't there but obviously it <laughs> keeps you going that one the odd things you drink tom says there's a restaurant in paris that serves plaster thank you <laughs> the old ones are coming out now no this is what she seriously eats plaster off the walls she seriously, it's like the woman really eats sponges that you use for washing up. They're not, they're not normal, these people, but it's an illness. In the same way that, you know, diabetes is classed as a chronic illness. You don't really have any choice over it. Although I'm totally convinced if you could get rid of it, you probably would. So you could go back to it. I'd, I'd love to be one of these people who doesn't put on weight, who could eat cream cakes every day. 
You know, the idea of going out... I mean, I have, I have become like the little match girl. In, well, not quite like her, you know. Uh, you know, I haven't got all the frocks and everything else like that. You know, I don't have matches. But I, I do sort of sometimes push my nose up against the window of Patisserie Valerie, looking at all the cream cakes in there, thinking, why do they make you fat? Why can't we eat as many cakes as we want without having to worry about things like that? But I am proud of our history. The, the other thing I'm not particularly proud of, because I think we are disgusting, is, uh, is we are litter bugs. I think it's something that's been brought in from overseas. I'm totally convinced it's not totally us all the time. And the other thing which is disgusting is people spitting. It really is. And apparently, uh, also gum. I would happily get rid of chewing gum. I know people like chewing gum and I know people get used to it. But it's, I don't mind as long as they, they dispose of it properly. <coughs> Excuse me. It's when people just spit it out on pavements. And you can see on the pavements outside here how much is spat out. All those little round blobs... That's chewing gum, because people don't put it in a bin, whereas you, because sometimes you take it out of your mouth, you can't, can't get it off your fingers. And you're kind of stuck with it. You're supposed to put it into the little, that's why it's got that metal foil wrapper with it. It's not just there because it looks pretty. That's there so you can put the chewing gum back in it, roll it back round it again, and it forms with it, and then you throw it away. But people don't. They do, and they spit it out. It's terrible. It costs millions and millions. Do you know that there are 28 million of you who chew gum, Three billion pieces of gum per year are on the streets of, uh, of this wonderful land of ours. And the government wants everybody to crack down. Coventry Council recently introduced £75 on-the-spot fine for anybody dropping gum on the street. A move which could go across the UK. Good! They've adopted it in Singapore. In Singapore, nobody throws litter. Nobody spits. Nobody drops chewing gum. I think in Singapore itself, chewing gum is banned. Chewing gum is banned now because of the uh, of the cost of cleaning it all up. It's dreadful, but we all do it, don't we? We all do it. And people, why, why do people do it? Well, because it's a, it's good because it keep keeps your teeth clean, and it means if you're going to snog somebody at work, you know, it means you've got sort of uh, fresh breath, and and people like that kind of thing. It's like having sort of permanent tube of toothpaste with you. So that's why we do it, and I suppose there's huge profit in it. Huge profit. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, 84850. We're looking for unusual foods that you eat this morning. Uh, 399, Manuka Honey Active. 399 for 250 grams at Aldi, says Mark. He says, used to be the same as you about shark, but I had some in Australia a few years ago and it was fab. I can't eat things like that. I don't know why. It's like, I mean, I can eat chicken, but I had some chicken yesterday. It was really... You can tell when, when chicken is farmed, because it's got no taste to it whatsoever. No taste. It's very disappointing. Chicken used to have a nice nice flavour to it. Now it hasn't. It doesn't have anything like that, because it's cheap. A lot of it comes in... Uh, <coughs> excuse me, from abroad. Let me just have a quick slurp, sorry, just very quickly. Just seem to remember it was this time yesterday... <coughs> we developed the cough again. My grandfather, says Dell, used to drink beetroot juice. I bought beetroot juice. I've got a jar of beetroot juice in the fridge. And it's, uh, it's very good for you. Beetroot juice is very, very good for you. And I can't remember why I started drinking it. I think somebody had written in, so I went out to Waitrose and had a look and found beetroot juice. And cold beetroot juice is delicious. Delicious. Mike says, Steve, the lady who eats plaster is building up to a major problem. Yes, I think, personally, she's building on the inside. What do you reckon? Quarter to six. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The head of the armed forces, General Sir David Richards, said... <laughs>
Quite amazing, the disgusting stuff we're all eating. It really is. When I was growing up, says Patrick, they used to have stalls selling tripe in Great Yarmouth. It's the inner lining of the stomach, isn't it? Isn't it the, um, the cattle's inner... inner st- oh, I can see it now. Uh, I love offal, Steve. It's very good for you, right? Tripe soup, says Paul. Tripe soup? What are you eating? Mary in Southall says bread, butter and sugar. Not so very different from cake with butter icing. It is true. Yes, bread, butter and sugar. It just doesn't kind of... doesn't seem to go together like that, does it? Condensed milk sandwiches, Steve. Yummy yum. Uh, one here says, My friend was told by her mother-in-law to cook sheep's brains for her son. Needless to say, she sent him to his mum's when she was cooking them. Oh, dear. Black treacle sandwiches, says Sonny. Uh, says Simon. Black treacle. Black treacle. That was that molasses, wasn't it? We used to have a, a tin of that, I'm sure. Um... Steve, my mother's family were butchers, so when I was growing up, I had stuffed hearts. Tastes like strong liver. Pete used to eat tongue. Oh, no. (laughs) It's just getting worse and worse this morning. Stuffed lamb's hearts. Stuffed lamb's hearts. Oh, no. The the beetroot juice seems quite normal now, I'm afraid. I eat the crackling from a joint of meat, says Ron. Well, everybody eats that. I mean, you, you can actually go out and buy it by itself if you want. Uh, John says, I've seen menus on Chinese restaurants, boiled fish heads. Yes. But the Chinese, the Chinese eat everything. If it, if it moves, it's edible. They, I mean, they literally are the, sort of the nation that eats everything. I, pers- I mean, if, if that's why all the stuff you're eating in Chinese restaurants here, you're eating the westernised version. You don't think that the Chinese go in and order sweet and sour chicken, special fried rice and prawn toast, do you? Of course they don't. <laughs> That's the westernised version of it. You know, they wouldn't be seen dead eating stuff like that. They're, they're just as happy. You know, special fried rice. I don't think so, no. They'll have some vegetables, they'll have some meat, some fish, and the rice, and you just pick and mix, you go around. They don't do this sweet and sour stuff. Uh, um, pig's head, Steve, says D. <laughs> Not sure about that one. Yeah, my friend Michael, his mother had a pig's head. He asked for it from the butcher. He said, do you have a pig's head? And they went, oh, we have, actually. <gasps> Not me, I'm afraid. And uh, she says, I'm proud of our heritage and culture. Um, There's nothing better than flying over the English coast on the way home from wherever. I love it, especially London and Scotland and Northern Ireland, all of it. There's nowhere like Great Britain. If only more of the British felt the same and don't want to strike or ruin the Olympics for everybody. I know, it's horrible, isn't it? You want to go round and slap them on the back of their little legs. You want to go round to Bob Crow and go on the back of his legs. You've been a very naughty boy. Patsy says, I always swallow chewing gum. Oh. I don't think it's good for you. I don't think you're meant to swallow chewing gum. I used to, you don't, tell you what you don't see people doing now, bubble gum. You used to get this pink stuff called Bazooka Joe, which was, which was very, very popular. But you don't see that now. But chewing gum everywhere. Hubba, hubba Bubba, was it? Hubba Bubba. Did, I could never blow bubbles. Yeah, like that, which is pathetic. <laughs> and then you do it once, and then all over your face... Spend the next ten minutes trying to pick it off. Cheese on toast with honey on it, says Dell. Well, that sounds passable, yeah. Cheese and honey I could put put together. Many families have octopus at Christmas, Steve, says Paul. That way they can all have a leg. Thank you. Uh, Sam says, when I was young, we used to put my friends at lunchtime and have butter on Weetabix. I started that one. I do the butter on Weetabix thing. Not for donkey's years, but but uh, that that was it. Eileen eats coffee beans. Hope that's OK. Hmm. Uh, one here, breakfast, toasted cheese and marmalade sandwich. Some people put peanut butter and, um, and marmite together. Peanut butter and marmite seems to be fairly popular. You're all, I've come to the conclusion, actually, 
You're just odd. It's not normal here. Especially poor old Pete, who says, talking of eating unusual things, last night I dreamt... Wait for it. I ate a huge marshmallow. When I woke up, couldn't find the pillow. Thank you very much indeed. And Vernon says, uh, I used to eat hot water bottles, and then they made of rubber. Even now, a hot water bottle makes me drool. You must be a bit of a worry to take round the chemist. But uh, always interesting. Oh, weather. I knew there was something I was going to tell you. The weather for today. I was, I was hoping to find something, <laughs> make sure it was a nice day. Because yesterday, I came back into town uh, to record uh, an in-conversation. And it was blooming miserable. It really wasn't. And then by the time I got back home again, it was, it was a bit sunny. I did my usual good morning. Even, even the people at Twickenham Station look a bit surprised. But I, sort of, I come in and then an hour later I'm back out again. Very odd. I was going to bring the car in. I'm so glad I didn't. So glad I didn't. Uh, today, 11 degrees, warmer than yesterday. Cold, sunny start. Some cloud developing throughout the day. Tonight, cloudy at times, with some clearer spells remaining dry. Not as cold as last night, with southwesterly winds. Minimum 4 centigrade, which is warmer than last night. Not that we know about it. Tomorrow, becoming cloudy in the morning. Patchy light rain possible. Windy, though becoming mild. The high, 11 centigrade. And the further three-day forecast, Saturday, sunny spells and quite mild. 15 degrees on Saturday. I might even wear a T-shirt and my uh, my cut-down jeans for shorts. It's an attractive look, which I'm sure you can appreciate. Sunday is grey and cloudy, a high of 13, and Monday's dark and overcast with 11 degrees. Typically, it's Monday. Why can't we have a Monday that dawns, you know, dry and bright with sunshine, not just peeking through the clouds, but throwing itself through the clouds? That would be absolutely... Oh, what a, what a happy Monday that would be. That sounds like a great title for a group. I shall, I shall register that. I shall be the Happy Monday. And, uh, and I shall be out there all by myself doing, doing whatever it is that makes me very, very happy. Your, your strange eating habits, uh, I'm afraid... Uh, yes, a lot of people used to have this butter on Weetabix. I started it ages ago, and people were saying to me, you didn't really eat butter on Weetabix. I said, yeah. I said, it's a bit, it's a bit like eating coconut matting. It's a little bit clingy and does stick to the roof of your mouth, but it's OK. OK, you know. 84850, or 08456060973. Peculiar things that you've eaten, including pig's trotters. I said there is this restaurant in Paris, and that's all they serve. To be honest with you, I, I can't think of anything worse. That's the thing that you used to walk around on, and, and then they, they sort of cut... Them. I'm going to be ill thinking about it. They cut them off and then they boil them, I think, and do them in sauces, and then people eat the meat between the actual toes. <sighs> Which I'd not mentioned. <laughs> it's horrible. Horrible, isn't it? Um, I eat fresh garlic, says uh, Nana in, in Tunbridge Wells. Fresh garlic. Yes, I knew a woman who used to chew garlic. I mean, she didn't have any friends. But she used to chew garlic because she said it was really, really good for you. And it is very good for you. Michael Van Stratton used to swear. And yesterday, Lou told me that you can get Manuka tablets. So I didn't get them yesterday. I'm going to go out today and see if I can find Manuka tablets. Because I'm determined that I'm going to shake this cold by Christmas if it's the last thing I do. Um, uh, another one here says, you were right. Well, of course I'm right. I'm never wrong. Bazooka Joe and Hubba Bubba was the later alternative, says John. Thank you, John. Very much indeed. My dad loves pig's trotters. I tried them. Made me sick, says Pete. <laughs> Made me sick. Dave! <laughs> Morning, Treacle. Morning. You uh, didn't, tell me you didn't eat pig's trotters, please. I'll tell you, this is fetching back so many happy memories oh, for me. We, yeah. used to have a, we used to have a caravan at All Hallows, and the, in the local village, the butcher used to do pig's trotters in jelly. Ooh. And they were absolutely gorgeous. You're eating their feet! 
Yeah, you, I eat anything, mate. If it's put in front of me, I'll have a go. Oh, um, no. The, the um, toast and dripping. Yeah. yeah. You could get that in most cafes, but you can't get it there. Nobody nobody does that sort of stuff. I'm not stuff surprised. Anymore. First thing in the morning, bit of crusty bread, toast and dripping, and a mug of tea. You can't beat it. Do you it. think it's an age thing? Is it something that, if you're, say, over the age of 45, erring on the side of caution, you would have had this stuff? Well, I'm only just over the age of 45. Um... But, yeah, you would have done. When I, when I was a kid, we used to have all that. And another thing I thought of while I was waiting, um, I used to drink the, the green water. You know, you cook your greens. Yes. Oh. I used to have a cup of green water with a <laughs> bit of salt and pepper. I'm beautiful. surprised you're Absolutely living. Beautiful. I'm surprised uh, you're yeah, still around. I mean, that, <laughs> that, that sort of stuff. And seafood. I can eat seafood oh, till the cows come no. home. Um, absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous. Do you eat anything? Do you eat prawns and lobster? Oh, and... yeah. Wilkes, cockles, oh, mussels. Yeah, anything. It, it, that was our Friday night tea. We used to go down to the uh, to the local one at, um, where was it, Bob White's at the Elephant and Castle. Yes, yes, I remember uh, that. Walk down there with me, with my granddad and we'd, we'd have something to, a bowl of jelly deals while you was there. Oh, no, not Jenny Deals. <laughs> oh, God. They're an aphrodisiac. They're I an don't... Listen, after eating that, that'd be the last <laughs> thing on my mind. <laughs> I've seen them doing it, and I've looked at these poor eels, and I've thought to myself, do you know, nothing on God's earth could get me eating those. And I'll tell you what you've got to try. Do yourself a favour. Tabbridge Road, Mandy's, pie and mash. Yeah. Go in there. Well, do you know, double I've never pie, had pie and mash. mash. I, keep, I keep meaning to try pie and mash, but I couldn't, I couldn't eat... Uh, chopped up eel or anything like that. Nah, beautiful. You've got to have double mm. pie, double mesh with liquor, and then a bowl of studios with liquor for afters. Go away, you make me feel <laughs> sick. Have a nice day. Be lucky, mate. Ta-ra! Oh, oh no, not, not studios, no. I've seen them doing it on the television. But you see, the trouble is, I suppose, if you were a generational, you know, person, you were brought up, and, you know, and people didn't have much money, people made do, so people did eat, you know, all the things that, you know, nowadays we go, oh, I couldn't eat that. Couldn't eat that. It's like going into a posh restaurant, isn't it? And they do sausage and mash, or corned beef hash. And you think, I remember that as a kid, because it was it was quite comforting. And they do it now in posh. The Ivy is famous for their corned beef hash. And uh, just down the road from me, I've got the Three Kings, and they do sausages and mash and fresh peas. And you can't beat sausages. And there's something about sausages and mash. It's simple food in it, but nothing. No, not stew deals or. I could probably do the pie and mash and the liquor, which is like a green sort of sauce kind of thing. I don't know. Do I want to put on any more weight? I don't know. I could just eat cream cakes, you know, perhaps drizzled with icing sugar or something. I used to eat those Pillsbury dough things years ago. They were quite nice. It wasn't considered odd. Judging by the stuff that you're eating this morning, you're all somewhat peculiar. But there again, it's always amazed me what people pop in their mouths, even round here. News is next. On FM. Alan. Morning, he said, smiling to the microphone. It's a sad existence being a radio presenter. Uh, Kev says, my favourite still is ready brick with a handful of dry cornflakes on top. My mum used to make it for me every morning back in the days. P.S. No, I've not taken the medication yet. <laughs> Can't speak for the rest of the crumblies, though. Love pie, mash and liquor. Yet, see, that bit's all right. It's, it's then when Dave ruined it by talking about jelly deals. I couldn't... It's like... Uh, the, the other thing I can't abide is you used to go into the fish and chip shop, roll mop. Roll mop. I ask you, what's that? What's roll mop when it's at home? Oh, no. Anything that looks like... Oh. Lauren says, my granddad was Bob White, who owned the fishmongers near the Ellenton Castle. Like your caller just now. 
day, my Friday night tea was Cockles and Welks. I'm 38 now, but one of my earliest memories is of my nan, Winifred, gutting fish out the back and queues of people buying pints of prawns when they came out of the pub on Sunday. Yuck, she says. Haven't eaten seafood since. Yeah, people bought a pint of prawns, didn't they? You bought a pint of prawns. Mind you, somebody said to me, don't ever eat prawns, because they, um, <laughs> this is the old gag, isn't it? They hang around sewage outlets with their mouths open. They are the scavengers of the seas. Prawns eat everything. Absolutely everything. In fact, they used to, they did a piece on the television once, it could have been a David Attenborough programme, or something very similar, where he sat there with his feet in the water, like these little fishes now, that you find in these booty salons, where they nibble the dead skin. Well, you're not going to be putting those on toast, are you? I hope not. Not sure about ready brick with a handful of dry cornflakes. But, uh, Lauren, thank you for that. Liz says there's a restaurant in Greenwich with cold sliced pig's ears. Oh, no. No. <laughs> We're not going to make it through the day today, are we? Some of this horrid food. Or that cockles and winkles with crusty bread, lovely. Well, the crusty bread bit, lovely, yes. And uh, one here from Stuart, who's currently sitting at the, the city airport because he's a cabbie, bless his heart. He says, I used to eat oxo cubes. What's <laughs> a you're just not normal, are you? Oxo cubes. I used to have. Well, I didn't have any money. Yesterday, I uh, I used to buy a packet of Oxo cubes and have them as a as a as a hot drink at night. <laughs> what a peculiar thing to do. Because some people used to have Bovril, but I used to have an Oxo cube and you squeeze it up uh, in into a cup of hot water and I would drink it. I wasn't a normal child either. I'm afraid. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> dripping marmite and tomato sauce sandwich says Sue. You're definitely on medication. And um, the other one here, which says, uh, Steve, best ever, Kelly's pie and mash, says Joy. Thank you. Ross in Rotherhithe says, being Welsh. I don't know why. Every time somebody says they're Welsh, I go, being Welsh. We ate cockles, lava bread, which was seaweed, and bacon every Friday. It was meant to be a treat. I turned vegetarian at the age of 14. My, uh, My friend David was vegetarian. He was the only one in the family who was. Strangely, you know, you get. I don't know why people turn vegetarian. Is it? Um, I, I've got a friend now who is vegetarian, and I remember pulling into Earl's Court once when I, they had a, a very good burger place there called Wendy's, and Wendy's were the best burgers because they were square and it, it looked like meat, as opposed to this processed rubbish you seem to get nowadays. And I said, "Could you get me a cheeseburger?" And he said, "No." I said, "Well, I'm I'm parked on Double Yellow Lines. Can you nip out and get me?" A che- no. Why? I'm vegetarian. I said, "I know that. You're not eating it. You don't have to touch it." Not ask you to cook it or something. Oh, dreadful, aren't they? Vegetarians, you go round their house, they won't cook you meat, but you have to eat what they're eating. They come round your house, you're expected to cook separately for them. I don't invite them round, I'm afraid. I used to take, says Judy in Orpington, bread and dripping sandwiches to school for my lunch, much to, to the horror of my classmates. The best bit was the jelly gravy. God. I ran for North West Kent. Never did me any harm. Yes, probably by yourself running, I should imagine. I can't imagine. Oh, not <laughs> jelly gravy. You're definitely not normal, are you? I'm afraid. <laughs> Tony says you're a credit to your generation. Yes, of course I am. Of course I am. I always have been. Uh, 84850, steve at uk or 08456060973. Dermot says nothing more delicious than an, uh, an ox tongue salad. Oh. No, 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 no. Just even the very... It's a tongue. It's a... You know, I've... Oh, no, definitely not. Steve, my daughter eats honey nut shredded wheat with grapefruit because she hates milk. Grapefruit. I've come to the conclusion, you're definitely very peculiar this morning. Are you all on medication today? 
I've never known anybody on so many peculiar things. I thought I was, uh, I thought I was <laughs> slightly strange. But Catherine says, hope you're feeling better today, Steve. We're very worried about you. I'm quite worried about me too, actually. I am quite worried about me at the moment. She says, uh, I've, I've listened to you every day and have done so for over 30 years. God, I feel old. It's not possible. I'm not old enough. And uh, she says, like many other listeners, you've metaphorically been with me through some rough times, especially after my husband died, with your easy wit and sharp humour, you never failed to cheer me up. Anyway, the letter goes on and on. It's very flattering. It's very nice indeed. Thank you very much indeed for that. She said, but you must have been a very small child when I was listening to you years and years ago. <laughs> possibly, possibly. And uh, and Beryl says... Oh, <coughs> <coughs> it funny, did this yesterday as well. At exactly the same time yesterday, just when I was getting into it, it started again. Close your blinds, close your blinds. It's like watching bad television at the moment. Uh, hope my friend Millie is awake early today, says Beryl, because it's her birthday. So many happy returns of the day, if you're celebrating your birthday. Actually, uh, Louisa, <coughs> who is Norwegian's friend's daughter... Hope you have a very happy eighth birthday mm. today. Eight years old. How lovely. How lovely to be eight years old. Because eight years old, that's great. You can go out and do all sorts... Oh, let's close the blinds. You can do all sorts of things when you're eight years old. It's just... It's fantastic. So, happy, happy birthday. And uh, love to all the Facebookers, says Noreen. They send their love to you. <laughs> Wish they'd send medication. It'd be a lot easier. Uh, Steve, uh, Odd Food, says Mark. A Jamaican favourite is cowfoot. Also in Iceland, uh, they nibble on a sheep's head. I kid you not. Um, nothing surprises me. I've seen... I think they do that <coughs> in... Where do they do that? Where they boil a sheep's head? Sheep's eyes as well is very popular, isn't it? I think somebody uh, lifted up this tray once and there was a sheep's head with the eyes and they and it was done in sort of like a jelly. Isn't that dreadful stuff we eat now? But as I say, you go to certain parts of the world, people eat anything. I was explaining a while ago, people eat guinea pig. In, uh, you know, whereas we, we look on it as a pet. I've never heard of people... I mean, I often think if Colonel Sanders had discovered budgerigars, the boxes would be a lot smaller, you know, because at the moment, because it's chicken and people like chicken. And so that's OK. But if he discovered dog, you know, in certain parts of the world, they eat dog. We go, no, that's a pet. So I shouldn't really... Be, but, I mean, pig's trotters. When Dave was talking about pig's trotters earlier, I went, oh, delicious. He said, you brought back memories. And all I'm thinking is, I think I'm going to be sick. I didn't think about anything else at all. Uh, very quickly, it's with through some of your uh, texts and emails. Um, my mum used to make us kids' hot tea, no milk, and then put bread and sugar in it, says Mary. Bread and sugar? Well, I can understand sugar. Bread. What was the point of uh, of that? Quick trip to Berry Market here. <coughs> Oop North, says Paul, would bag you black and honey tripe, oxtail, ox tongue, pig's head and calves foot jelly. I've heard of calves foot jelly. I don't know you ate the thing. I thought you just put it on. He said, I firmly, be firmly believe if it's put on a plate in front of you with no indication of what it is, as long as it smells okay, people will try anything. You're probably right, actually. It's when people say to you, you're just about to eat rattlesnake. And you go, ooh, don't want to eat things like that. It's like I was watching that, that programme the other day, and it was made into a, a film, and I think it was called Alive. And it was the plane that crashed in the Andes. And they had to make the decision as to whether to start eating the people who died. And, and they interviewed uh, some of the survivors. They had some of the survivors there. And to be honest with you, I'm sitting there thinking, you are joking, aren't you? Why don't you just eat snow? Something like that. No, they had to carve bits off.
LBC 97.3 with Steve Allen. Anybody else spend their life with headphones on? Yep, air traffic controllers, but as I'm not directing traffic this morning, I just bid you welcome to LBC. Nick Ferrari and the team with you after the news at seven, after Susan Bookbind is here with the morning news, and after six British soldiers have been killed in Afghanistan in the single most deadly attack on British troops since operations began. Nick will be asking if you can tell him a war that is justified. We'll be talking to the sister of Gareth Montgomery Johnson, a journalist who's being held by a Libyan militia and has been for several weeks. And David Cameron has vowed to look at stalking laws, but why has it taken so long? All that and a full review of the day's newspapers. Melissa Kite, contributing editor of The Spectator, is in to look at the papers. We'll run through them again in, uh, in a moment. We're, we're getting round your peculiar eating habits. The food that you're eating at the moment is possibly... It's, it's making a lot of people feel quite queasy. So let's just go back to some more of your uh, texts and emails this morning. Uh, Len says... He says, do you remember the old Benny Hill gag when he said his mother ordered a sheep's head from the butchers and told him to leave the eyes in as it would see them through the week? Thank you, Len, friend of John Warrington. Actually, I'm going to phone John today. He's, he's sent me in some, uh, some uh, DVDs to watch, which is quite nice. I haven't caught up with him for a little while. Actually, was it, the, um, was it Ken Goodwin, the comedian, he said, when he phoned up the butchers, he said, I'd like to order a sheep's head. He said, you can leave the legs on. That was another to explain that to Holly later. She doesn't quite get some of the gags we do on the programme sometimes. <laughs> I used to eat chicken's feet in Hong Kong, says Richard. Yes, chicken's feet were quite popular. Deep-fried chicken's feet, I believe. I mean, I couldn't eat those either. But the more I think about it, the worse it becomes, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve says, Mark, I used to eat OXO cubes. Um, <laughs> which was very good, thank you. Like the gag. And Paul knows about Wendy's. He says, was that the UK branch of the American chain? I believe the burgers are square. Yes. Yes. I did see them in a US version of The Undercover Boss, the same show that went behind the scenes at Harry Ramsden's. Well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? I quite like that idea. Um, Steve, when I was younger, we had a Sunday roast, says David. I used to eat the marrowbone jelly that I dug out the bone. <laughs> it's not normal, is it? It's not normal. You're very peculiar. Paul says, as you know, my dad's diabetic, Steve, and has trouble with his legs. Your mention of the expensive honey rang a bell. So I went to look at his laces dressings that he's been prescribed. That honey is actually impregnated into the dressings. And in the last few months since using it, whilst not totally cleared up, many of the problems he had have either gone or are much improved. I know it seems to be, it's a bit, um, in Hong Kong, we used to get tiger balm ointment. In fact, you could get tiger balm just about anything. It's a big industry. And that was, again, the cream that solved everything. The Manuka honey... A lot of people swear by. We've had lots of people phoning and writing to us saying, you know, I've used this, I've used that, and it, it works really, really well. So, uh, not managed to clear my throat yet, has it? And I've had about five doses of the blooming thing this morning. In fact, strangely enough, about ten minutes ago, it came back on again. Exactly the same as it did yesterday. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, Kate Humble is in the paper today. She's quitting Springwatch after seven years. When the show returns, Michaela Strachan will be alongside. Michaela Strachan just seems to go and go and go, doesn't she? She pops up. She seems to be sort of perpetually young. Even though she, I don't know how old Michaela Strachan is now. I mean, she must be, she must be 50-something, I would think. And, th- and there's another mystery as well, not over Michaela Strachan. She's got to work with, um, with uh, I think it's uh, Chris Packham and somebody else. Chris Packham, who replaced Bill Oddie in 2009, and Martin Hughes Games. I love people with double-barrelled names. It's so exciting. And Kate Humble's departure comes after the mystery over former presenter Bill Oddie's exit deepened last night. 
The goodies star, who's 70, claims he was axed because of an undisclosed incident while filming in Dorset. Speaking to the Lady magazine, he claims bosses blanked him before axing him in 2008. In a showdown with the producer, he says she told him she'd been ordered not to speak to him. I was calling in and told we won't be asking you to do Springwatch next year. So that was the big shock. Nobody explained why. Last night, a BBC spokesman said, who you know, that filming was stopped due to him being unwell. He said, we're always willing to, uh, to you know, to consider working with him again. But uh, I quite like Bill. He did have a, a very strange period. I remember Bill Oddie used to do a programme on the television, a children's programme, and I cannot remember what it was, but he obviously wasn't used to coping with very loud, Saturday morning, raucous audiences. And I was sitting watching the television, and it was live. And he was trying to conduct an interview, I seem to remember, or trying to do something to camera. And, they w- and he said, if you don't shut up, he said, I'll clear the studio. Shut up! And in the they wouldn't shut up, so they cleared the studio. They literally cleared everybody. Bizarre, <laughs> isn't it? Somebody says Pollock, yeah. Uh, no, I'm not eating Pollock. I'm definitely not. <coughs> uh, Kate, Katie Louise says one of the Dartford tunnels has been closed, causing many problems. I'm sure, Andy McCall's on top of it, as always. And Angela says, my friends like... Uh, fish eyes. My friends like fish eyes. If I go into a fish shop and see the fish eyes staring at me, I freak out and run out of the shop. Yes, I'm not... Well, I'm a fish full stop for me, I'm afraid. Not very good. Pat and Brian Cooper. Love to them. From Maggie in Bromley. The hot oxo cube drink. Wonderful. Which is good. Um, Steve, I offered a friend a tongue sandwich. Oh, no. Tongue sandwich. She squirmed, saying she couldn't eat it. Something from an animal's mouth. And then said, have you got any eggs? Thank you. Paul says, I used to have chicken seasoning and bread and butter sandwiches. If I was feeling adventurous, prawn cocktail crisps with fish seasoning in bread and butter. Oh, and also, agree with you. Hate spitting. Hate spitting. Dreadful. And uh, another one here. Uh, Steve, I love cold beetroot on hot crispy bacon. Well, that sounds quite nice. That sounds about the most decent thing we've heard this morning. Cold beetroot on hot crispy bacon. See, that's good. Claire says, I used to eat raw bacon rind and drank cauliflower water. Cauliflower, well, that, that, is, that is peculiar, I'm afraid. Um, and uh, another one here also likes cold beetroot, on, but I've never heard of it, on the bed of hot crispy bacon, but it makes it sound absolutely wonderful. Uh, Steve, you should have very finely grated ginger with manuka honey and your cold will go. Steve, did you know they sell tiger balm ointment in Poundland? I should imagine they probably do. They probably do. Uh, Jason Donovan's in the papers today saying that he was the first choice for Eurovision. The BBC tried to play down the claims, saying we approached a number of acts to gauge interest and check availability. So how come we had... Well, obviously, everybody turned it down, didn't they, I should imagine. <laughs> Say, sorry, Eurovision Song Contest? I don't think so. I don't think so. Front of the Daily Mail, £5 off your food shopping at M&S and a free packet of seeds, which is quite nice. And, um... Flowers for the six brothers in arms. That's what Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about after the news at seven this morning. And uh, Britain plunged into mourning after six soldiers killed when their patrol vehicle was destroyed by a huge Taliban bomb. I think triggered by um, by a phone. A new Alzheimer's breakthrough, according to the Express, will help millions. This is the one that they were talking um, a short while ago. A short while ago. And uh, Schoolboy Howlers. There's obviously a book. I think it's by Anna Tripp. And it's on kids who say the funniest things. Uh, to germinate is to become a naturalised German. Name the four seasons. Salt, muster, 
mustard, vinegar and pepper. That's what the kids think of the falsy. Kids say things like that, and we, we sort of smile at how sweet. Pat them on the head. Uh, what can you tell me about cemetery? It's a place where you bury dead people. This is what I don't know what age kids they've asked here. And um, the, I, I love the story of, uh, of the excuse for handing in homework late. The teacher was asking some of her students, year nine, why they hadn't brought in their homework. Tired of silly excuses, she asked them to be honest. After the standard, I forgot. A girl at the back said, well, miss, I was copying jades on the bus and left my book on the seat. The teacher was left speechless, but later admitted, well, I asked for honesty. Homework. I thought you said housework. So I went home, washed up and hoovered the living room. And uh, there's some other ones here as well. Can we make an educated guess as to why the birth rate is so high in third world countries? Answer, is it because there's nothing else to do? More of that you can read inside the Daily Express for this morning. More on uh, the former Sun and News of the World boss, Rebecca Brooks, over this police horse. The poor boy who's eating carrots and he's turned orange. Poor little soul. Uh, which is not particularly good. So, in fact, everybody's likening him to the only way is Essex, where they've overdone it on the fake tan, which is just about every single day. Uh, front today of the uh, the Times. Still the Queen of Pop. Still the Queen of Pop. It's a bit of drama here with Madonna. And his family's more than the forces, Chief says. Hold your nerves. Metro, their loved ones, sent them off on Valentine's Day. Today they wait for their bodies to be sent home. That's in all the papers this morning. And... Um, don't tax the pensions, is the front of the Daily Telegraph. Plus, uh, on uh, Alison Pearson's column, what women want to hear today from the Prime Minister. And the Queen sparkling at St Paul's OBE service. First time I've seen the Queen wearing red. I didn't think red was her colour, but she's wearing it and looks very good in it at all. And uh, Deborah Ross, Christians, gay people, they all hate me. So there you go. I'm back with you uh, tomorrow morning at uh, the same time, between 4 and 6.30. We'll have the free podcast for you up in about half an hour's time on LBC 97.3. Go to the website, lbc.co.uk, and you can find out all about podcasting and everything else and all the delights that are on the LBC website. OK, thank you for all the letters. Thank you for your very peculiar choices of food this morning. Uh, <clears throat> I shall be eating some more manukani a little bit later on. I'm going to try it just raw, actually, uh, going along the lines of, if you have it with lemon, it's very nice, but I think I'm eating too much of the blooming stuff, so I shall, shall, shall be very healthy by tomorrow morning. You what? Over this weekend, I'm going to try and have a weekend of not actually saying a word. It won't happen, I know, it won't happen. I'm just saying it now, just for something to say, just to fill up the last ten seconds of the programme. Because I'm like that, you know, they say to me, so, so, so what would you be filling the programme with this morning? I said, I have no idea. I'll probably talk about things I might not or might not be doing over the weekend. Have yourself a, a great day. Susan Bookbinder is up next on LBC 97.3 with the morning news. Join me, Alan T.